Right, you ready? Let me take a deep breath, breathe. <sighs> Let's make radio. Let's make radio. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Giga Brummy Podcast. This week presented by Kenneth Williams, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> How are we this week? Hi, Keith. Hello. Hi, Phil. Hello. Hi, Guy. Kenneth. George and Dave sadly can't be with us today. They've gone up to the wall to go and help defend it. They're not allowed women at the wall, though, are they? They're not, they're not a done thing. Well, Sam Tarly got away with it. Play- are, you, are you comparing player, Dave Whitney player. to Sam Tarly? No. <laughs> <laughs> Say Jon Snow had Melisandre. There's, there's been many examples of women at the wall. See, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so this is just these all these are just straight all, over my head. This well, these are all just words that, that make no sense. I, I, I would hate to, to be so outside of the loop that I wouldn't understand any of this language. Actually, I have a funny story about that that happened this week. So I was sat in a cafe, just, you know, getting on on with some work. Not having a day job. Having an Americano. (laughs) All about that that freelance life. And there's this guy sat with his girlfriend and immediately I'm thinking, you know what, you're you're just, all you're doing, mate, is talking and she's not, but she's barely getting a word in edgeways. And then when she finally- That sounds familiar to my relationship. When she she finally gets, he starts talking about Game of Thrones and she finally says, oh yeah, yeah, I've um, I've finally started binging that. I'm on like, you know, halfway through season two. He went, oh, well, you know, you've probably read all about the R plus L equals J theory then, haven't you? And I was like, what? You have just given her one of the biggest spoilers of the entire show, like a, like a, a redefining moment of the series that uh, only just happened, and she's still not and even confirmed her. yet, really. Oh, I think it, it's all—it's been all but. It's all but confirmed. But it's basically—he just sat there and proceeded to tell her all of the main things that she had to look forward to, like all of the main twists, all of the huge character deaths. And I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "You know what? I hope that she dumps you for this." For ruining her enjoyment of that series. Not very nice. No, Seriously, I think that's like, fair. He was that's punching fair. above his weight. Yeah, to just, just, it sounds entirely fair. So you had an interesting week then. I, I have had a week, let me tell you. So, <laughs> so Everybody sit so down, down, relax, relax, sit down and relax. So. Phil's having a week. Phil's having a week. <laughs> so um, on Wednesday night, I went to the world premiere of One Love, the uh, Bob Marley musical. Really, really cool. World premiere. That it's, is not an event I would have expected you to have gone to. I don't I mean, know why. But. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I know I, you I, like I'm, copying my style. I'm the, least, I'm the least reggae person ever, but I was going, I was reviewing it for for my day job as a magazine writer. Um, I had a great time. I'm a coffee know. shop visitor. <laughs> Wasn't Bramau there as well? Bramau was there, and we were sat like five seats um, apart on the uh, on our row. Yeah. Were well, you like notice children and throwing stuff at each other? <laughs> no, although I was like, oh, he was. Oh, I, I, he sat down there like when, when I arrived. And he's like, oh, hey, oh, are you are you sat next to us? I was like, no, no, I've got better seats. <laughs> you like, just don't sit with me. <laughs> I don't know I'm, you're outside the I'm, radio I'm, studio. I'm, I'm, Closer to the middle, I have like a better did you, view. Did you give Mariah Carey style? <laughs> Love it. Like I, I had two seats, even though I was there by myself. So I had a seat for my coat and my drink. Did Dave have a spare seat for his award? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, long story short, there was like a live reggae set and some curry and rice and peas on like after the show. Um, everyone had you know a couple of drinks. Um, I ended up partying with the cast. Someone took my coat home by accident which had my keys in it so I was like oh excuse me actors I've just met would you mind if I slept on your sofa please and uh, yeah that's what happened did you get your coat back I got my coat back because people are good and somebody brought it back in the next day saying my mate picked this up thinking it was mine we're so sorry here it is and the theatre called me and I got my uh, my barber and my keys back maybe they wanted a genuine verified Philip Ellis coat the life of the verified and famous eh? I know Strangely enough, though, and as, a, as an aside, uh, my family's actually related to Bob Marley. Explain. <laughs> yeah, okay. Going back a few generations, he's been in a paper before, but uh, one of my great-great-great-great-grandmothers 
got married one of his uh, great great granddads. Uh, so there's a little twist. The Bloomfield family actually is connected in a in a b- bizarre way to the Marley family. The Bloomfield Marleys. Yeah. Quite, quite, quite cool. There's a little family tree thing that's out there. So if you can find it, I think it was Ellie Ellie Bloomfield or something was um, yeah. was the woman. So yeah, that's quite incredible. cool. Yeah. So we know Philip Ellis thinks he's related to Debbie Harry. I mean, it's all but proven. That's canon. That. Yeah. Yeah. Are you very distantly related to anybody famous, Mr. Halford? Uh, I could have been related. Do you own a chain of car repair shops? I could have been related to. If my sister had stayed with her ex-boyfriend, he was the cousin of um, Peter Andre, so I could have been related to Peter Andre at Jordan. You at could one have point. been part of the uh, yeah. the Price Andre dynasty. Yeah, yes. I could have. I am. Was it a mysterious girl <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you were interested oh. in? <laughs> the only now. It's only Peter Andre song I know. So. Through my lovely wife, I am very distant related to Kristen Crook from Smallville. Oh, okay. Yes. The, the worst Chun-Li in history. Shh. <laughs> and, and aren't we Let's all... Let's move on. <laughs> Ming Na Wen didn't do great in the movie, put it that way. <laughs> but, you know, aren't we all distant related in some way to Charlemagne? Yes. Heard that somewhere. I... That we're all distant related to Christopher him. Lee yeah. had direct lineage from Charlemagne. Lineage? Um, yes. Lineage. 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 It's like Sherlock all uh, over again. <laughs> You're never going to let me live that out. You know what? I, 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 it's, too, it's too late in my life to change how I pronounce Sherlock. It's a whole separate si- sideline. There, there, there's Sherlock, the very yes. good detective, and then there's Sherlock, who, who runs around in the negligee. He likes to wear uh, sheer fabrics, yeah. Something happened to me this week. Is it time for another small tale? It's not only a small Halford. tale. It was like I, me and my colleagues at work, we all discussed what happened to each one of us over the course of this day. That a man came in. We, we, my, where I work, we send off individuals to go and do work in separate locations. They occasionally come down back to the office to pop in, have their one-to-ones and do their visits, etc. So this guy came in and he hadn't seen him for a while. I had never met the guy. He went in to shake my hand. He bent his hand in the weirdest way I'd ever seen, like almost like like a full circle, grabbed my hand, and I swear to God, my hand came out, and I felt like my hand was broken. And I came out to my colleagues. And he was I was doing the Trump. Oh, he was I, doing the power shake, basically. No, he I actually shook my... his hand, so that's not that's <laughs> totally untrump-like. I mean, I've got a really limp handshake as well, so I felt like my hand was flapping around like a fish in this guy's well, you hand. You need to work on your handshake. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to be able to now because I've got a broken hand. <laughs> but I went out to my colleagues, and I'm like, did you shake that guy's hand? And they were like, oh my God, yeah, my hand's still in pain. So like, literally four grown men so he just came all into... suffered at the, the hand of this one man. He just came into the building and basically assaulted four of them in a row. <laughs> was, this, was this fella Jeff Capes or something? <laughs> Literally just stuck to like a power wrestler comes in. Just grabbed me by the hand and just swung me around the room. <laughs> was the was it actually a person or was it just a giant muscular arm that had come into the office? <laughs> was it like a shopkin, just a giant arm with eyes, with eyes and a weird name? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I've never experienced a handshake like this before. It was like the most intense. Like, I hate going for a job and you've got to shake someone's hand and you think, am I going to get the job based on my, my crap handshake? But this guy, guaranteed to get any job he wants. <laughs> I've just thought we could do we could we could launch a range of of these characters, musclekins, and they're all kind of anatomically bizarre, largely muscled things with eyes and faces, and I've got like little hobbies and stuff. <laughs> I've, I've I've been to a bar where that's basically the premise. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Ryan. How has your week been? Quiet, actually, for a change. I've been watching loads of stuff about Mass Effect Andromeda online and really umming and ahhing whether to purchase it. 
What a hell of a week you've had, mate. Yep. Well, you know, congratulations. And what's the conclusion? I, I'm on a tenterhooks here. Uh, <laughs> Did you buy it? I'm still umming and ahhing, because it's a nice free <laughs> Do let us know how that works out. Well, <laughs> Keith's a big Mass Effect fan as well. Have you seen the stuff I sent you about how the animation looks yeah. at chof? Well, this is the thing with the Mass Effect. It's always been our lips are not in sync with our voices. Imagine two animation. goldfish having a conversation with voice actors behind them. <gasps> Come on, let me Patrick Stewart. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I. It's sixty hours, in, sixty plus hours of investment, and I've still got like the first three to play through again. So yeah. I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, I might wait. A I little don't bit. know. There'll I be an inevitable game of the year edition when it's not even the game of the year. Yeah, I think my gaming days are kind of just down to playing, t- t- uh, what if, Telltale games ones where I don't have to do anything apart from the occasional button press every ten minutes. Yes. The other thing is that I have joined the Backpack Collective. So they've swapped out my work PC for a laptop now. So I now have to have a laptop to carry with me back and forth to the oh. office. Sangha, so I have become the thing. So you are like always plugged into I have your work and you, you, have no, you have no excuse for not answering your emails. Why has it got to be in a backpack though? Can't you have it in a nice silver briefcase? No, because it's not 1983. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it's retro styling. It'd look really cool. I'd look like I a fat Christian Bale if I carried around a silver briefcase. I think that you would sue a sort of old school leather satchel. I do have a leather satchel, but the laptop doesn't really fit in there properly. Mm. You should get one specially this is, commissioned. This is, yeah, the thing. So obviously, you know, with my not having a day job guy, <laughs> I, uh, I am constantly, you know, Instagram expert, Mr. Going out Phillips. to uh, going out to the library, going out to coffee shops, going out to meetings, and I had to, I, I always have to buy a backpack or a, or a you know a man bag or whatever, depending on size of my computer. Would it be arguable to say that you're effectively a glorified student? I was actually like, <laughs> asked by uh, uh, a waitress the other day, she's like, are you, are you a student? Because you're always coming in looking so studious. And I was like, well, I'm nearly 30, love, but thank you very much. <laughs> she gets Phil a folding bicycle to just complete the look. I can't ride a bike. <sighs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Just can't. Have you never learned? I learned, but like, I just wasn't very good at it. Have you you still have to have stabilizers. I mean, if it was appropriate and suitable for a grown-up to have them, I would definitely use it, yeah. I would, maybe like a flatbed, you know, where I can just like lie and like pedal, but like it's on like, it's almost you like a tricycle. You can get those like lying down bicycles. Yeah, I could, I could totally rock one of them. Have you like just forgotten how to do it or something? Yeah. Because that's the same, I, I'm the same with swimming, like I can't, I've forgotten how to swim. <laughs> that's called drowning, guy, that's drowning. <laughs> I can just imagine like getting in the water again, well what? What now? <laughs> I, went, I, went, I went to swimming pool with my girlfriend and like I was just like you know just flapping around trying to swim and I just genuinely just looked like I probably needed some help. The thing is probably not to go swimming after you've had your hand crushed by that guy because obviously <laughs> that's rendered one of your flippers <laughs> loose. <laughs> I've got to say though, um, so I, I, I was on holiday with friends last year and um, we went out to Toronto Island where you know you rent bikes and you cycle all around the place and I was like, oh guys, I kind of like don't really want to do this because I can't ride a boat. Um, and they were like, oh, God, Phil, what we're going to do. So you know what we did instead? We they put you in one of those little baby trailers <laughs> behind the bike. <laughs> like, E.T., no, we hired a quadricycle. And basically, uh, like, uh, it's like a, a four-seater bike. And we, like, basically like a, a wagon. And you coasted in the middle of it. No, it was like a pedalo, but like on wheels on land. I can just imagine you, like, stood up in the middle, like, charging them forward. Like, it was like... Some Roman emperor. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And it was Work, boys. the <laughs> most fun I have ever had. It was so... I, I would just recommend everyone hire a quadricycle. Talk, I mean, talking about weird bicycles, have you seen it in Germany where there is a bar... 
and all the seats are like bicycle seats. <gasps> yes, I was at, we were at Brandenburg and um, I think they have them in Amsterdam as well. Like, yeah. I think, you know, sort of stag parties and hen nights quite like them. And yeah. Yeah, you, you're psych- I mean, obviously I could do that because I'd be it's sat a, there with a pint. So It's, I, it's I a pub you cycle round. What more would a man want in his life? So you can do sightseeing and not have to sacrifice, you know, not having a beer. Hang on, this the, the pub actually moves. The pub is in the middle of the bicycles. So there's like, like 30 a, or 40 seats you all sit down in the seat and you pedal along and then the barman steers it. It's like one of those little huts from the German market, but it's on wheels and there's bottles all around. Yeah, like like, like Ryan says, with, with pedals and it's just You're it's making so cool. this up. No, no, no. no, no. I, I am going to Google it for you. I don't yes. even, what was I, bar on wheels? Uh, yeah, bar on bikes or something. Um, the bar bike. Oh, well. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> Moving on from that one. <laughs> Ryan, you've got um cookie in your beard. Thank you for that. I was saving it for later. Pad- a pedibus, beer bike, pub crawler, pedibus, bike bar, cycle. You have to pronounce that very carefully. <laughs> eight seater cycle with bar. There we go. It's, oh, it's a only real eight thing. seats. It's a real thing. Those, they have bigger like a ones. Big I think. bar that was like forty or fifty people. No, they have bigger ones. I'm sure there is. I'm going to steer clear of that. I think. See, see, see. Look, look. I'm, look, I'm showing visual I'm showing proof to Keith, oh, okay. which works so really it's well like on podcast. Out of um, Blade Runner or something. Yeah. Oh, I think it looks fun. Ryan, can we bring up the amazing face swap that you sent this week? Which, if people haven't seen, you need to just type in Thomas the Tank Engine face swap because it's oh, the best clip oh, you sent me all week. This, this, this was a little toddler <laughs> <laughs> who was sat on a ride along Thomas the Tank Engine, and his mom and dad did the face swap. App thing. Oh, and, and you, oh my god! I, and you I get remember. Thomas the Tank Engine's face and the toddler and the toddler's face on the train, and it just looks so wrong. <laughs> Can we put this up on Twitter and Facebook? We'll find it and we'll tweet it out at some point. It was. It's just literally every time I look at it, I'm creasing myself. What brilliant parents! <laughs> Because, I mean, really, the only reason you have kids in this day and age is to get, like, you know, go viral and get meme famous. But that child will never know the impact that has had. Like, that has gone viral, and he'll have no idea. Like, yeah, he was oh just buzzing God. along on his little Thomas Tank Engine. That's what we need to get you to learn how to ride your bike. We'll get you a little Thomas Tank Engine. And then for fun, we'll face swap you. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, like, meme-friendly kids, though, uh, I'm assuming you've all seen the BBC interview crashing kids. Oh, uh, yes. The, like the amount of versions I've seen of that so far. Now. Oh, it's just the way she strides into the room, like I'm going to try and ruin your career tonight, Daddy. <laughs> like, what the do do do? But then I've watched. I've, I was late to the party on this, so I've, I've seen lots of the meme things afterwards. But it's like I was thinking, he basically like rugby tackles her in one point, throws a kind of like clothesline out to knock her over. Surely, you know, any sensible person would have just gone. He would have stopped the interview and just gone, hang on. And dealt with his kid like a normal human being rather than sit there and kind of laugh. And his wife comes in like some kind of, like she's Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was just trying to retain some kind of professionalism and trying to salvage the interview. And then at some point it was just like, this is not working. Have you seen the latest one where there's a working mom who's doing the interview? Yes. And and she comes in and she just picks it up and she's got all the kids in it. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, there you go. I'm going to show you my favourite version that I've found so far. I don't know if you've seen it before. It is Uh, the Star Wars version. So it's Darth Vader oh, and oh, BB-8, and then R2-D2 just bound up barrels in, and then BB-8 <laughs> follows him in, and then Princess Leia comes in to go and rescue them. 
Oh now, my god! This if is if either Harry Hill or Stephen Mulhern aren't doing something with this on their Saturday TV shows, then they're missing a trick. It's funny that you mentioned him. I was watching Saturday Night Takeaway last week, and they did a game. Why do you do this to yourself? I don't know. Why do you do it? <laughs> they they did a game. Why don't you have better plans on a Saturday night? <laughs> <laughs> they did a he did a game show where he ran out and people uh, to ask people in the street to name a game show. It was Stephen Mulhern. The most of them were like, I don't know who that is, and he was sort of right by them. It's kind of like this is the best TV I've ever seen. <laughs> My favourite was when they went Saturday Night Takeaway with Anton Deck, and it's like, but I'm Stephen Mulhern. How am I hosting? <laughs> Uh, bless him. Yes. Did you, there's an article going around this week about C3PO being a tosser. Did you see that? No, I missed that one. Yeah, they just sound like he's just you know a bit of a tosser. What, what do you feel? I about mean, that? if I is had that to why you had to have the red arm? An entire franchise with that like person, robot, droid, like whining in my ear. It's just like rain it in. This is not all about you. You can see why R2 had a bit of an attitude problem. Imagine having to that constantly for 200 years in your ear. Ugh. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd be over it. That is, that is, you know, uh, a dysfunctional uh, long-term civil partnership with her voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you overweight blob of grease, R2-D2. <laughs> I'm going that way. <laughs> yeah, what a diva. Let's see if I care. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't bring anything, does he? He's just kicking around. Brings sass. Doesn't, isn't needed. No. No. Although oh, I would what? take C-3PO over Jar Jar Binks any day of the week. I'd take Jar Jar. Mr. Gonna be rubbish character. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kenneth. Ken- Kenneth Binks. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Just replace Why? Kenneth Williams in Jar Jar Carry that, on why? with Jar Jar Binks. That is a supercut I would like to see. Carry on Star Wars. <laughs> Come <laughs> on. Boss Nass replaced by Sid James. Barbara Windsor Jabba. as Princess Leia. Yeah, that'd be Jabba for Sid James. <laughs> Ow! <isn't> it? <laughs> oh, me but buns have pinged off. Bernard Cribbins as Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Yes, Bernard Breslau as Chewbacca. <laughs> Barbara Windsor would have to be Princess Leia, wouldn't she? She would. Absolutely. Yeah. Who would. What, what's her face? The the one that they always partner up with Sid James be? Hattie. That's not Hattie, Hattie Jakes. Jake. That's, uh, Hattie Jakes. That's Joan Sims. Joan Sims. Got Hattie oh, Jakes and yes. Joan Sims. One of them would Jim, have to be Mon Mothra. Jim, yeah. Would Jim Dale be one of the Solo? only female characters? Yeah. Luke yeah. Skywalker. Yeah. Jim, Jim Dale, Dale would be Luke Skywalker because he's the most boring one out the world. Who would Charles Hawtrey be? <laughs> He'd be Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Lando, but. Does <laughs> uh, so that make the can terrible. Keith employ his amazing Photoshop skills and make this happen, please? <laughs> <laughs> Does that Carry make Star Wars. the terrible prequel movies carry on Columbus? Remember that terrible remake they did? Oh yeah, the, the one with like—it was um, like the one that had Rick Mail and all the kind of like yes, yeah, yeah. like all the nineties. Oh, when God. everybody yeah. was celebrating Columbus's discovery of America, even yeah. though the Vikings had done it many, many years and before. I think Jim Dale was the only one who'd carried over from the original cast. Yeah, it was terrible. It? Oh, dear. yeah, mm, it's almost as bad as Star Wars Episode One, put it that way. <laughs> almost. Hey, Star Wars Episode One's got Liam Neeson. It, it has the pod racing. It has the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul. That is all that is needed to be heard from that McGregor movie. with a rat tail, though. Yeah. Oh, and it also oh, sets up the fact that Jedi can run very quickly. And then at the end, when you and McGregor can save. Yes. Qui-Gon, he kind of just goes, oh, I can't be asked <laughs> to do force running now. I'm just going to yeah. jog casually up to the screen. So you could have saved him. There's I almost sent you and McGregor a tweet about that. magic. Yes. Shocking. Burst life. Keith. Dun, 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 burst life. life. We need to really We're get so on that. We're so in tune. We're so in tune. All of this actually happens. You know, it, it sounds like, you know, 
a made-up story, but it actually it does actually happen to me every day. I can imagine you're just like Obi Wan sat in the voice in your robe on the bus in your robes, just like watching the things go by. It's a bit like that. It's a bit like that. But um, yeah, so uh, in the in the tradition of having a, an excellent orator read out my wonderful stories, we're going to hand over now to Phil to read you uh, Bus Life Chapter 3. Based on a true story. Monday AM. The sun is out. The temperature is in double figures. The minions of Satan are stoking the fires of hell to heat this bus. <laughs> Why is... <laughs> Why is it that when it's warm outside, the bus has its heaters on full blast? So uncomfortable. And why must we then have to get into arguments about opening the windows? Those people, <laughs> those people who are wrapped up in scarves and duvets, huddled over the heating vents and nailing the windows shut are quite strange. <laughs> Monday PM. Scientists appear to be conducting experiments on the bus today that replicate the surface temperature of the sun. Nobody looks comfortable. The glass in the windows is more efficient than that in greenhouses at heating up what's inside. Someone is cooking bacon and eggs on their lap. I feel like a gremlin in a microwave. <laughs> Tuesday, AM. After overnight consultation, the bus operators have cracked out the WD-40 and oiled the valve that allows them to put the heating up even higher. <laughs> the, bu- the bus this morning is full of older Swedish gentlemen in towels. <laughs> Nobody is phased in the least. Sorry, I, I just have to co- disclaim that I, I've not read this before reading it aloud. <laughs> Tuesday, PM. As well as forgetting how to queue, people appear to have forgotten basic communication skills this evening. Speak to someone and they look at you as if you're speaking an alien language. I believe, unless communication is received via a smartphone, people don't know how to deal with you. Sigh. On the plus side, the screaming child downstairs is vocalising how I feel. Perhaps we are telepathically linked. I'm ginger and have blue eyes, so I've got form on the mutant front. (laughs) It's slightly chiller this evening, so as expected, the heating on the bus is now off. Go figure. Tonight, I'll ruminate on a reason to not leave the house tomorrow. Wednesday, AM. What is the point of an e-bus? To paraphrase Ron Swanson, a bus that only does half a route is a Segway, and Segways are pointless. (laughs) Oh, and the buses are back to prowling in packs. Oh, this is my favourite bit. (laughs) Packs of three or four today. Something truly terrifying must be on the roads. (laughs) PM. Are you doing your driving lessons at the minute? (laughs) (laughs) Oh! What a liar. PM. A funny thing happened on the way to the bus stop. Well, it didn't really. I almost tripped up the curb, which was more embarrassing than funny. (laughs) (laughs) Although a guy in a rather swanky coat could be heard laughing in another part of the city. (laughs) (laughs) Thursday AM. If you really wanted to commit identity theft, the bus would be an ideal hunting ground. People are quite happy to loudly divulge many of their personal details while on the phone. And helpfully, they will quite often repeat those details if you happen to miss them the first time around. PM. As well as the ideal place to steal someone's identity, it also appears that many people are on the phone to Jeremy Kyle. The number of infidelity accusations and relationship problems that are being screamed about on this bus must be enough to keep that show on the air for at least another three or four years. (laughs) Friday AM. It's quiet this morning. (laughs) Everyone seems chilled out. This isn't all that bad. Maybe I've been wrong about public transport all along. Maybe this new metro mayor will sort it all out and public transport will finally take its place as the ultimate way to travel and the utopian dream portrayed in Star Trek will come to pass. PM? No. This morning was an aberration. Bus travel is and always being more like a Mad Max sequel. (laughs) Getting on the bus is like entering the Thunderdome. Maybe George (laughs) Miller once caught a bus and that's where he got the idea. Maybe I could get a sequel based in the UK, and instead of an interceptor, the lead character drives a bus with spiked wheels, and that character will be called Miserable Michael. Wasn't that pretty much Fury Road? 
Thus concludes this week's inst- uh, instalment of Bus Life. Carry on, Mad Max. Every, every single word, uh, absolute truth. <laughs> now I want to see on the buses made with Mad Max. Oh. With that, he's going to have that old, old quadruple. Yeah. Suddenly, you never carry on. I'll get you, Mad Max. I'll get you. Oh, he's one of the last of summer white people, isn't he? They just, they just, they used to just pull old people into that show. <laughs> I think as soon as you like, you're an actor and you hit like 65, 70, you get your pension and a free passport. Last of the Summer Wine for the rest of your career. I've got it. You know, like every episode in Last of the Summer Wine involves them having some kind of mode of transport going down a hill. Keith, this is it. Just get a bathtub and get to work in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> a bathtub on wheels. With with water and foam. Because that, that, you know. Yeah, washing your hair. Baked beans yeah. if you want to go charity route. Ice cubes? Nah. It all sounds a bit too comic relief. Robot Wars. Did anybody see this online this week? Yes. Little man had a little strop because little kids beat him. I just, I, oh, I, 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 I loved it. I, I lived. It was hilarious. Basically, and, and Robot Wars is just the ideal show. Like you just know, like of course, somebody who submits to go on Robot Wars is going to have the emotional maturity of a toddler. <laughs> Basically, my knowledge of this is I don't watch Robot Wars particularly, but there's a robot called Bayamoff who's been like in it before, like series years before as well. So they've got a reputation. Group of little kids get into the scene. They're like, oh, we've got a little robot. There's been some modifications to the Bayamoth team's robot. Anyway, Angela Scanlon, who has no idea probably what she's presenting, just stands there and goes, right, the kids have won. And this guy just goes basically like, whatever, gives his controller to his other teammates and just storms out of the scene. You know what this is? This is like an 80s kids film about a group of scrappy young people who, you know, enter this competition and this guy is the villain who just loses his cool at the end of it and he's like, no, 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 I was meant to win. And and then he like, you know, ends up falling over with his like trousers down his ankles and everyone laughs at him. I've seen that movie. Freeze frame and Starship plays over the end credits. This sounds like it would be a Disney movie with like Emilio Estevez leading the team to victory. Like the Mighty Ducks. Yes. And and the guy... They have to lose more multiple times on the run-up because they're this. underdogs and that's the entire yes. arc and then that guy was probably going to like you know sh- like bulldoze their local community centre which is where they built their robot close their libraries yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and now that they won he's not going to and you know everything's great and the world's never going to be wrong ever again although we're making this film now in the 21st century so yeah. even though the kids won he's still gone off and he's still bulldozed he's the still, libraries yeah. he's done it he's going to win I don't care about you kids he's still got you know money power privilege yeah, and they're like, still just a p- bunch of kids yeah. I just want to mention the lingering shot of him walking to the Back to the pits alone, which they cut to midway through, like the kids celebrating. Oh, did they? Um, did they put the theme music to the old Incredible Hulk series no, over but the they top of it? Done they should have done that. Oh, oh. Either that or the littlest hobo. I mean, the fact that grown men are on this show in the first place is slightly kind of like you but know. Come on, sportsmanship. It's like yeah. you know what? Be happy that a group of kids worked together and did something really great. Like good for them. Yeah. I, I, I wish there would have been a shot of the kids on the opposite side, get, flipping him the bird, <laughs> and just going, yeah, you know, Bart, Sim- Bart Simpson, <laughs> like Moonies and everything down the back of him, like yeah. Do you know what the worst thing about it is though? Like for this guy, like obviously he's lost the competition, but he is now that guy line who walked out of. Robot Wars. Not a big sports competition. No, you stormed out of Robot Wars. And this is the thing, the internet will never forget. He will never he will not be the man who had a successful robot on 
Robert Wars previously, he will be the man who lost to a bunch of kids and couldn't handle it. And you know, if he ever <laughs> returns to Robot Wars, they'll play that clip before he oh, gets... Oh, I mean, he's, yeah, for yeah. shame, for but shame. That's, that's him out of the robot fighting scene. I, 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 don't, think <laughs> that's I, I don't think he's going to be as, as, as vilified as he should be. I imagine there's going to be a whole series in the Mail on Sunday serialising his life story to that point where there's some tragedy of a previous robot that he built that was destroyed by the local school bully. And, you know, it's all tragedy and Isn't he cries. Of course, because he's a white man, so the media can, you know, yeah, justify spin out some kind of like, oh, Isn't well, you know, turning, he, he, he's, he's, a, got, he's, he's not a sociopath, he's just a weird loner. Isn't this turning into the Hugh Jackman movie? Oh, don't, <laughs> don't Real diss Steel. Real Steel, man. <laughs> Real Steel's a good movie. That's a, that's a true underdog story with uh, uh, Hugh Jackman teaching uh, his uh, robot to box. Because at least that's a proper robot, not some remote control. I thought he was saying, a proper story. At least that really yeah. happened. <laughs> you know, it's not something he's be- built out of a piecework thing from Eaglemont where it's build your own <laughs> Robot Wars robot. It's like they're still remote controls. They are not robots. Uh, we will put this to bed once what and for the... all. Robots are autonomous. They do it by themselves. What the robot in real still wasn't autonomous, was he it? Was. Was they it taught it him... just like him, well, Hugh Jackman, boxing and then yeah, the, but robot the robot stealing learned. It's like Johnny Five. This robot's alive. Robot movies. We'll have to come back around, circle back around to that at some point. I mean, we've, there's a whole episode in that, surely. Besides, don't we, you know, all the robots should be Mardi, like C3PO, and just go, I ain't fighting you. Get out of it, man. <laughs> just like has a strop and salts <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> But the ro- or perhaps a robot should show up the humans and go, actually, let's talk about our conflict and not fight. Because fighting's a human thing and humans yes. are bad. So we'll let's talk just destroy through. the humans. Let's not be so primitive. Let's gang together yeah. and destroy all the humans. Are yeah. you saying Robot Wars is going to cause the robot uprising finally? Skynet. <laughs> Being chased by Matilda down a park. <laughs> going after that bloke who was wandering after the car park first. So what other headlines you got this week, Dan? Right, next one. Russian zoo's raccoon in erotic video dispute <laughs> from the BBC News. Okay, I need context for this. Or maybe not. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's just purely amazing without knowing what this is about. I mean, no, you want to know what it is. <laughs> I mean, that headline reads like someone just picked a load of words and made it's a word jumble. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cryptic clue for a uh, Times pack. I sometimes think like they like have four or five big spinny wheels in the BBC news news studio and they just rotate them and see what comes out. Like that's how they write their family guy cutaways. Yes. (laughs) Wheel of nonsense. Turn, turn, turn. (laughs) Tell us the story that we must learn. (laughs) Adjective noun, noun. (laughs) Okay, lay on me. Yeah. A Moscow zoo is suing a video studio that hired one of its raccoons and made what the zoo calls an erotic video. (laughs) The petting zoo, where children can feed and interact with animals, sometimes rents animals to filmmakers. Spokesman Victoria Kirikin told the BBC the raccoon, Thomas, got a bit of anthropomorph, got to get some anthropomorphization in there a little bit, returned from the studio traumatised. <laughs> oh, you can just imagine the raccoon shaking backwards and forth wearing a blanket drinking yeah. <laughs> that's the worst I've ever, I, the worst I didn't, I've ever I seen I didn't know I so, didn't know it's like I just thought it was going into a regular porn video they didn't tell me it was a golden showers video <laughs> we noticed he was attracted to women's breasts <laughs> video firm Art MSK called the zoo's lawsuit absurd they also, they also said the raccoon stole a model's bra on set <gasps> I mean, that's hilarious. There's little grabby raccoon hands. <laughs> He's watching me going like, <laughs> so, sell this on eBay. 
RTMSK shoots video clips for advertisements. Russian media quoted its marketing manager, Valery Bogatov, as saying that they had requested a trained animal, but got Thomas, who was younger and ran off all the time. Thomas the sex pest. <laughs> who was that woman again? Because that name sounds totally legit. Valerie Bogatov. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Could be a man, actually. Valerie with a Y at the end, which is a bit of an odd choice. Valerie. This, what? Valerie Bogatov. Yes. Surely there are kind of like, you know, proper agencies through which to hire your animal performers <laughs> rather than just a random <laughs> raccoon you see in the zoo. According to the zoo, Maybe the they deal... in budget, a bit indie. Yes. According to the zoo, the deal in August 2016 was for Thomas to be used in a regular advertisement. For what? I, I must know. But for us? <laughs> but the view, zoo said it saw the footage on social media featuring a naked model. It complained and asked for all the video and photos to be withdrawn. Should we ring up Dudley Zoo and try and get an animal from there to do an ad <laughs> for Brum Radio? Brum Radio, yeah. Meerkat. Yes. Uh, we we want to hire this tiger for the Brum uh, <laughs> Radio ad. After the request failed, the zoo filed a lawsuit in October, also demanding compensation for damage, damages caused to the raccoon. What, like psychological <laughs> damage? The zoo said it. <laughs> they have to send him to raccoon therapy. The <laughs> like, so they put a pair of pants down, like, which one's he going to go to? Oh, he's gone to the used knickers. The zoo says it renewed the lawsuit on Tuesday because no action had been taken. Art MSK's Valerie Bogatov returns argued that the video was not erotic because it was destined to be broadcast on federal TV. An erotic film would have to be illegal. Why? I love that, like, like you know, like just the technicality. Like, it, it's not, like, yeah, it's it's got like a naked woman in it, but it's technically not erotica. Yes, Victor, Victor Kiryukin, however, said Thomas's interest in women's breasts suggests that during filming they'd put some treats out for him, so he asso- associated breasts with the treat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's not alone there. The raccoon's behaviour since his return has unsettled female zoo stuff. Oh God! So is it like, like Sid James? Like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> he's a crabby menace. So instead took... of <laughs> instead of putting their treats on a table or in a bowl like you would for any normal kind of thing, they were putting their treats on ladies' breasts. Yes, it's a slightly strange place to put your your treats. <laughs> it took two to three months for his ch- to change his behaviour back to normal. Now he is happy again, but he was sad before. So they've re- <laughs> they've reconditioned him. Yes, so so like they, something they out of clockwork orange. Believing that sex is bad, like yes. this is just awful repressive moralisation of yes, what is meant to be a beautiful experience. The zoo calls it immoral to mix nature with eroticism. The zoo's motto is "Little animals are not toys." I, well, <laughs> A nature conservation group has backed the zoo's cause in the raccoon case and an anti-exploitation activist rallied outside Moscow Silinsky district on the 12th of March. Mr. This, this raccoon has just been through the ringer, hasn't it? If little it? animals aren't toys, why did they name a lady pleasure after one? <laughs> why did they rent him out in the first place if he's not a toy? Mr. Bogatov. They basically just rec- they're just like animal pimps. Yes. They've got themselves to blame. Mr. Bogatov has threatened to counter sue the zoo and claim compensation for the damaged bra. The Russian blog site T Journal reports. Some Russian media have suggested the lawsuit is a public relations stunt, as a statement to the, the zoo post on social media about the case featured plenty of socially savvy hashtags, including hashtag inter- interesting Moscow and hashtag scandal. But the zoo's press service said it was not orchestrated and alleged the video has undermined the reputation of a family-friendly petting zoo. I just want to quickly go through the three related news stories that BBC News have chosen for this as well. Okay. Raccoon pictured riding an alligator. <laughs> Bel- Bolivian monks accept four-legged friar. I've seen that story, it's cute. It's and dog. hospital saves baby hippo at the zoo. <laughs> See, I, I score straight past all of these stories. <laughs> 
You shouldn't, because it's for, like, man... Man dies charging phones, but we shouldn't laugh at that, no. but, you know... Is this the ridiculous story where people are having to be told that charging yes. your phone in the bath is, is bad yes. for you because you might electrocute yourself? Yes. Well, perhaps... This, surely any electrical item in the bath is bad for you. It's connected to the mains. I can imagine he like, had a, quite a long cable and he just probably just slipped out of his hand and fell into the bath. Mm. Mm. Still not the most sensible of things I mean, to be doing. The words natural. I mean, yeah. it's, it's something I'd expect Bill Ellis to be doing, you know, verified oh. Twitter user and all. Philip Ellis's phone doesn't need the charging of that. It just needs his hyperactivity distilled <laughs> into the there, there are plenty of other things you can be doing with your hands in the bath than using your phone. Keith <laughs> Louise This Lufus. is a family podcast. You, Lufa, you're cleaning yourself. You're using your hands to clean yourself, wash your hair. You Play with a rubber ducky. Filthy mind. You, clean your you, go straight, you go straight to the kind of raccoon place with this. <laughs> Shocking. You're using your hands to clean yourself. Make sure you're, okay. you know, what's it, towel drying yourself? I can imagine like Ernie from Sesame Street with a couple of rubber duckies now. Yeah, <laughs> you could be playing little battleship battles in the bath with you've got all, all the little toys that you've got. Not raccoon toys. Click cleaning some pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> you doing your free time, guy? <laughs> right. Yeah, I've got like a block sink. <laughs> Talking of bathroom. you get the plunger out and try and unblock it. <laughs> Talking of bathroom-related issues. <laughs> Newshub.co.nz. So this is New Zealand. Have have presented us with an amazing story. Person rescued after four hours trapped in toilet. Was this guy Alfred? <laughs> it's a really short one. No, it's that guy I wouldn't give the bogger on to. <laughs> it's Guy Halford. He's like, I've got my plunger stuck. Can you come and help me get out? <laughs> a person was trapped in a West Auckland toilet for four hours. Will be likely to be relieved after being rescued by firefighters. Well, he's going to be relieved if he was in there for four hours. <laughs> See... It instantly springs to mind multiple, multiple questions because I've never been in a in a, a in a toilet unless it was Ever. on a train. <laughs> do, it, do it outside, walking down the street, <laughs> whip it out. I've seen plenty of people who do that, but surely you could just <laughs> kick the, the door stop. in or climb over the top. Unless it was one of those complete enclosures where it's like a, an actual room. Was it the one you like have to pay twenty was... pence to get yourself trapped inside? What, what if he was a really weak fat lad? <laughs> <laughs> or what if, yeah, what, what if it was just, I mean, I, I'm imagining, I mean, maybe, maybe just tell us the real story, but I'm imagining one of those ones where it's like, like the cubicle, like, you know, there's, it's full walls, and then the, the door handle just, like, comes off in his hand or something. Uh, um, <laughs> is this, like, be like a safe lock on this door? That's the only way you can think around it, because all you've got is that the world's smallest little tiny bolt well, thing like a, holding in some, you, get, you have, like, a proper, like, you know, sort of... Latch key Latch turn. thing, yeah. yeah. Like, a, like a Yale lock or something, yeah. But still, I don't think... A fair bit of kicking would get any door off. So let, let's go into know, the story in, in a little bit like more depth. Some, let's get some, some of the. Some okay. people have like fire doors. So yeah. I mean, you just, you just, you just don't know. Firefighters were called to the Glenmore Place public toilets in the suburb of Glen Eden just after 11 p.m. on Wednesday. Stop. The guy's got a phone in the toilet. So why did he wait four hours to make the call? Was he just really embarrassed? <laughs> Maybe he was stuck playing Angry Birds and he just tried to get past one level. Maybe. 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 It's New Zealand. How is their technology nowadays? Maybe. Maybe he did one so bad it didn't smell up and got it. He doesn't want to call anybody until it passed like, you don't want to go in there after me. Maybe the flush was broken and he was too embarrassed. Oh, yeah. We need more details about the actual toilet makeup itself. I need an illustration, drawing how the, ma- how the toilet was made. Get well, us some diagrams, I have a Ryan. picture of the toilet if you want to come and see right, the toilet. Okay, it on, looks like the ones that you used to get the bus stop. But Keith would know. Wait, what? Yeah, it's just like it's not even a toilet. That's like some 
prefabricated <laughs> glass kind of building. Thing. What is this like? Do you remember like around the twist when Pete Twist got stuck in the toilet all night? They locked him in. Is this a situation like that where he's been locked in by some people? Do you remember that episode? No. no. Well, you're not cool then, are you? <laughs> Right, this is the world's shortest news story, so I'll finish off with the next line, which was, The fire service managed to break in and release the person shortly after arriving. Well, good for them. <laughs> Job done. Jobby done. Right, are we, are we prepared for the world's weirdest segue in a news story? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, so. I, yeah. Right. In November 2016, a man was found dead in the toilet cubicle. Police said it was a medical-related incident. How has that anything to do with the original story? They just had to try and find some way to make the story more interesting. Was it that toilet cubicle or just <gasps> a toilet Oh my cubicle? god, maybe the ghost of that man locked him in. He just wanted some company. Yeah. Or <laughs> like revenge. moaning Myrtle. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it is a sentient, vicious toilet. I mean, November 2016, <gasps> like March now. To. Four months. Four months. And he's attacked two, the toilet has attacked two people. This toilet can attack at any time. I am. I am sure. I am one hundred percent sure there is a Japanese urban legend, like about public toilets and people dying. I, I maybe need me to do some googling about this, but I am sure. Is it like the before. Koreans with fan death? Yeah. I got this image now of like the toilet seat flapping up and down, like. Never getting out of here alive. Is it like? Is, it is like, this another carry on? Me, will you? <laughs> is it a bit like train spotting in Japan? So it's like you've got. Instead of a woman coming out of the TV in ring, there's somebody, <laughs> somebody crawling out of the toilet. Oh, maybe it's like carry on bogging, oh. <laughs> like a giant giant wrist coming out with a handshake ready to. <laughs> oh, nice, Ryan. That's a... anything. Yeah. Out, anything else? I'm just looking now, see if there's anything that's come up. Whilst we've anybody got anything to film while Ryan prepares himself <laughs> for the next part of this link? Yes. Any any little here we go. Manny Ramirez gets unlimited sushi as part of his Japanese baseball contract. I, 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 Unlimited sushi. I, I Unlimited sushi. I, I, I could play I, that, that sounds amazing. Manny Ramirez hasn't played professional baseball since 2014, but you'd never know it by looking at his new contract with Japanese Shikoku Island League. The former MLB outfielder who has played in 12 All-Star games and won two World Series championships. Again, Americans, stop calling the only game that you play on your own a World Series. So annoying. Well, reportedly, being tied to unlimited sushi as part of his new contract with the Kochi Island Fighting Dogs. This, to me, seems like a Kenny Powers situation. <laughs> he so looks a little bit like Kenny Powers. <laughs> so he's been out of the league, and they've offered him back in, like, oh, yeah, we want to get you back in, Manny. Um, what playing can you in offer a team me? in Mexico. Yeah. No money, sushi. <laughs> like, is there actual money involved in the deal, or are they just paying him in fish? Ramirez, 44, <laughs> <laughs> first reached an agreement with the Fighting Dogs in January, but certain details of his contract were not made published and public until they were published online over the weekend. In addition to Ramirez's all-you-can-eat sushi, his contract entitles him to several other perks. The swankiest including the use of a Mercedes along with a driver, a private hotel suite during road games, and the option to skip practices whenever he wants. But does he get any sheets? Does but, he get any money? But he doesn't need to, because if you think this through, unlimited sushi... Okay, unlimited. So what you yes. do? You can serve his own sushi you, restaurant. You serve it up. Yeah, you got you do a thing where you go ring me. I'm a celebrity, and I will send you sushi that's for me. So it's, you have celebrity sushi. It's only twenty sheets a go. It's unlimited sushi, and on top of that, he gets a free hotel room whenever they're on the road. Okay, but when you know when you get these win these unlimited competitions, and they're like, oh, you can win like a year of live coat. It's only three hundred and sixty-five cans. So is it only like? You know, his lifespan, one meal a day of sushi. So you can only serve one person a day. 
Yeah, the definition of unlimited, I think. Is, I um, this, this really irks me because I went for an all-you-can-drink Prosecco brunch a few weeks ago and it is not all-you-can-drink. They the cut, they, failed. They cut you off after five when your voice goes up a decibel. <laughs> Surely sushi is not the food you want to be eating before play baseball games. It's protein-rich. Yeah, but if you get a dodgy piece, that's you gone for the entire game. Well, I imagine they make fugu. pretty don't good drink sushi the don't Japan, eat the fugu. Ryan. You never know. You could, you, yeah, have, uh, a, have an avocado one. There's going to be levels of sushi restaurant. It's going to be a bit like they've got a five-star rate, and you might going to get a couple of zero sushi restaurants on there in the what mix. What if you preferred pizza? <laughs> <laughs> what if he doesn't really like sushi? He just sat there and like, I want tacos Sorry. and pizza, and he went, no, sushi. <laughs> 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 no, but I want to live... No, sushi. <laughs> just sushi was the only thing on the plate. I, 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 I would happily eat do you, mean, do you mean they like, like, did the deal in the restaurant and the guy was actually ordering his food and he's taking it and just, oh, oh, that must be what my contract is. So like when they have a good contract, I thought you said we were just all sushi and they realised, like, oh God, this guy's a mug. Okay, we don't have to pay him, we just give him sushi. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> no sashimi, just sushi. <laughs> but you've got to pay for your own sauces. Oh, no, if, I mean, if this does not include wasabi and pickled ginger, then he has been had. <laughs> the man like, what? Phil, I think he's been had anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just batting with a giant bottle of soy. <laughs> uh, low sodium, I hope. He's an athlete after all. Oh, God. Maybe the pitch is made out of wasabi. He just like rolls the sushi over. <laughs> See, now I'm imagining another kind of like Shopkins-esque scenario where all the baseball players are pieces of sushi. <laughs> We've got a bit of adventure time in this, haven't we? We need, we need sushi top trumps. Oh, I mean, okay, like California Mackey. I have never tried sushi. What? What? I've never tried it. How old are you? I've, I've tried sushi, but, I, but it's with, without fish, because I'm not a big fish person. Time for TV talk. First one up, Iron Fist. It is now live on Netflix. I think it dropped yesterday, was it, Keith? Uh, yeah, yeah, it went out yesterday. Yeah. It's already picked up uh, a favourable review. Criti criticism, I'd say. I, my favourite review was uh, the one where it compared uh, Finn Jones to, you know, the Iron Fist main character, to the guy who uh, goes on a gap year to India and then comes back and gets really confused why no one's as into top knots and yoga as him. Gap year? It's mm. a gap year. Yeah, that's, and that's basically, it's just sort of. Oh, it's it's Orientalism and whitewashing at, at, at its most erroneous. Uh, right. It seems to be the, the, the verdict. I think the whitewashing gets an unfair rap because Finn Jones is Irish-American and he does go over there and that is the plot of the entire Marvel comic series that it's Finn Jones and he is Irish-American. So to, to say it's whitewashing is a tad unfair, I'd I, say. I think it's missing completely the, the character. Yeah. You know, if it was a, 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 a Shang-Chi movie or TV series, who's yeah. kind of the more... Because, I mean, Iron Fist came out of a period in Marvel when they were doing these kind of 70s exploitation flicks. Yeah. Um, and it was so like Luke a counterpoint Cage. to Blue Cage. Yeah, yeah. so Iron Fist mm. was the kind of like the white guy who comes back with the kind of mystical powers type stuff. But we had Shang-Chi as well, who was kind of He's like the more kind of Bruce yeah. Lee-like character. So it's riffing off that kind of thing. So I don't... Having, having a white guy cast as a lead makes sense, but we've got people like Colleen Wing and stuff in yeah. there who people can, seem to be kind of connecting with in the series. I haven't managed yeah. to watch it as yet, but... I'm going to go in, into it with open eyes, really. I, I know what I'm going well, to get. I hope so, Keith, if you're going to be watching something. Well, you know. <laughs> I mean, it could be Netflix's first misstep with the Marvel I, I don't. I don't think it's going to, I don't think Netflix are really going to be that bothered. Yeah. Uh, and, and calling it a misstep, you know, there's plenty of garbage TV out there. I think this is, I think this is probably just not as 
it's the it's the more traditional superhero yeah. tale than we had with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and, yeah. and, and to an extent Daredevil because he has got mystical powers. Talking so it's kind of more in line with Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange got beaten around the head yeah. with this whole kind of like, oh, how can you do all of this kind of stuff? But I think reserve your judgment. Watch it if you want to watch it. If you don't like it, stop watching it and stop complaining about it. But if you do like it, just keep watching it. Talking of the rest of the Netflix Marvel compendium, Defenders, the first trailer has dropped, really. I mean, it's I more think just like a teaser trailer of saying Iron Fist has joined the club. I, I think basically uh, Netflix, like you say, you know, Netflix haven't got anything to worry about because even if you have some kind of issue with, you know, one of the whatever's f- wrong yeah. with Iron Fist, I mean, I mean, I think also the reviews are saying it's not even necessarily a racial thing. It's just it's actually quite boring compared to the other shows. Yeah. Um, but if you're a Marvel fan, and you, you know, you're obviously going to be excited for the Defenders, and so you're going to watch this just so you know what's going on and you know how he fits into well, the wider I think, story. I think as well we've been spoiled a lot with first seasons of television being actually reasonably good because we were talking Jessica about Jessica Jones is, was still yeah. such a highlight and but it's still the strongest Netflix Marvel show even if people go back and watch the first season of Star Trek Next Generation or even the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. you're going to look back on that and go Ooh, this I, is a I bit mean, I, this, I'm, this is yeah. before Riker grew the beard yeah but I think the other issue with the story is it's already been twi- done twice now we had it in the Batman Begins movie where a billionaire goes off to the Far East and learns ancient ways and then you've had it in Arrow the TV series as well where Oliver Queen gets stuck in an island and learns archery yeah why worry about whitewashing Iron Fist when Rachel Ghoul was blooming Liam Neeson in Batman Begins but he had a fantastic goat either yeah but. do you think and that at the moment these Netflix series are obviously part of the Marvel Universe they seem disconnected from it because I don't watch them I don't think of them as part of the Marvel Universe, and I think they need to drop these characters into the film to actually make that connection. They seem distant from it. I think, I mean, they're, they're, they're telling very, very different kinds of stories. You know, they're smaller scale. I mean, it's, Jessica Jones is probably the best example where it was one woman versus one enemy, and um, and it was a really clear allegory. With Daredevil and, and um, Luke Cage, they sort of broadened the playing field a little bit, but it's still very much like, this is a story about Hell's Kitchen, this is a story yeah. about Harlem. Whereas with insulin. the Avengers and, and, and uh, you know, the new Thor and all that, it's, it's kind of more like on a cosmic level yeah. they're setting and the it's same like, and world. I, I, th- I think with the production schedules of films versus TV um, they're never going to match up I don't think they're ever going to have much of a room for, for crossovers but do you think it, they need to drop maybe a cameo in just to solidify the fact that no, these I are think, all I the think that'd, just be, that'd be just fan baiting there's I think enough for the references la- in yeah. there in a couple of the episodes you see the Avengers I mean, Tower in the background there's, and there's Easter eggs in there for, there's for, stuff in yeah. there if you want fan baiting you've got um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has enough references back to the cinematic universe yeah. all over the th- place. They operate in their own fashion, and we yeah. all know they're connected, because. but it's the same as the comic books. Every it's, comic book it's, is it's, it's like watching a spin-off one. where you haven't had to watch the original series I to think, get why it's good. Yeah, I think the reverse of that, what I'd really like is to see in like, the last Avengers movies have like focus on the Defenders defending New York while the Avengers are off in space. I think, I think the, the problem with the film doing it yeah. is it's, they're not long enough. Um, you know, it if you're dropping it, you drop it into yeah. a twelve-issue multi-series comic, yeah. you can go over and look at what's happening in Hell's yeah. Kitchen. You can do the cosmic stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But I think I like the idea of I go to the movies to see the big cosmic stuff, and on the TV, I'm getting the more grand. You're getting a very different experience from each, from each medium, and I think that works. Yeah. Talking about another comic adaptation, Legion, which is midway through its run over here. I'm loving the pants off Legion. It is possibly the greatest uh, superhero TV show on air at the moment. I've not had a chance to watch any of it yet, so I'm avoiding spoilers like the plague at the moment. Same here, yeah. Yeah, it's from the guy who get, bought us the Fargo TV series. Yes. It's got a lot of that kind of sensibility to it. 
It's yeah. surreal. It's psychedelic. There's lots of interesting stuff going on. The yeah. cast is really fantastic. Um, but it, it's just it's gripping. Every week I'm like, I'm back for the next episode. Talking Fargo, Hugh McGregor's in the next series. Yeah, who people haven't recognised in the um, trailer when he's set yes. next to uh, Ramona Flowers. Yes, please tell me that he just goes, hello there, at the start in Obi-Wan voice. No, no. Oh, but he looks fantastic and I'm, you know, I'm fully on board for another season of Fargo because again, he's just, you know, people talk about Westworld and Game of Thrones, but for me, shows like Fargo are just far superior. It's about next month, I can't wait for it. Phil, have you watched any Legion I have or never, Fargo? never seen Fargo the movie, I've never seen Fargo the TV show, and I have never seen uh, Legion. Get out of the studio <laughs> right. and watch the movie. We're going to construct some kind of clockwork orange thing now where Phil's going to be <laughs> given all of these it, shows yeah, straight yeah. into his eyeballs. Powerless, another one, another comic adaptation that's coming out. This looks like a one-joke, one-trick yeah. pony where every episode's going to be kind of the same. Did you ever see Better Off Ted? Yes, no. which is an amazing show. You should yeah, watch Better it, Off Ted. It, it's basically Better Off Ted. Yeah, but we see it. It just seems it seems cheap. Na- I mean, I'm George and David going to kill me, but it just seems cheap, nasty, and rubbish. Yeah, and this is the uh, the reverse of what Marvel are doing. This is DC doing DC ridiculous. DC doing everything kind of that Marvel does, but badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, again, it's a reasonably good cast, but I don't see how it's going to. You know, uh, Alan Tudyk is in this one, isn't he? Yeah, I saw the yeah. pilot. I didn't laugh once. Yeah, it's it meant cringed. to be a comedy. Yeah, it's Apparently. supposed to be a comedy about a group of people who are mopping you up the mess being left yeah. behind. By so but how many? Oh, like, yeah, that that could be like maybe a short fan film on YouTube that would do quite well, or even just maybe. Or just just a one-off like a, special, a one-off Christmas yeah, like show, yeah. special or something. Having, yeah. having a, a long-run series with arcs, if it's not about superheroes, it's going to get really boring. But having watched what the destruction that's being done by these superheroes, a ragtag yeah. group of comedy actors, is not enough to be covering up it, the mess of superheroes. It's just not funny. George and David are going to punch me next week on this because I know they're looking forward to this. But it it's feels like also they're trying to that really hard good. to grab the geek what viewers. I think with, they're trying um, to grab the community. Danny Pudi and yeah. Adam Tudyk. Yeah, like, they're trying to grab the. Community oh, they were in this other really popular geeky show that you like, so you're going to love this. It's like anyone who's ever been in a Joss Whedon show who's been in a subpar series afterwards. Or they, yeah. they, they were relying on, you know, like basically everything Summer Glau has ever been in. I think, they were just relying on yeah. getting the Buffy and the Firefly fans I mean, I feel sorry for Alan Tudyk because he has such a big high with K2 in Rogues. He's a, uh, he's um, a good Rogue actor. He's a, you know, he's a good character actor. Yeah. Um, I might give it a try. but I think I'll know. watch a couple just to see if it beds in, but... Expect cancellation next month when they do. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it has longevity. Cancellation. Yeah, I mean, like great indoors with the other actor from Firefly, main guy. Can't remember his name. No, not Firefly. Community. Joel McHale. Joel McHale. So it's got Joel McHale and Stephen Fry. That's not the best series in the world, but I think that's still slightly funnier on this. It's because it's got my loving in it. Yeah. Crashing. Next one up. Oh, this is on iPad, isn't it? Yes. Okay, this is um, it's all airing on Sky Atlantic at the moment. Uh, it's a real great sort of under the radar comedy series that HBO tend to do from time to time. So they sometimes they do their big comedy shows like you've got Veep and Silicon Valley, um, but then you get the occasional ones where it's like a stand-up comedy uh, comic who does something a little bit more personal. Uh, basically, the premise is a guy called Pete Holmes is uh, he's a religious stand-up comic. His girlfriend cheats on him, so he goes to New York. And then just ends up trying to get into the comedy scene and hanging out with loads of comedy people, actually comedy legends such as Artie Lang, TJ Miller, Sarah Silverman, and just crashes on the sofa. And that's the basic premise: he just crashes and goes from comedy club to comedy club. I get really bored by like uh, stuff material by comedians that's about being a comedian. <laughs> I haven't sold it to you then. I saw. I saw. I went out to New York. I saw him at the comedy um, comedy cellar. Um, the same night I saw Louis C.K. So is this, is this a little? He's really good. Is this a little like what? Um, 
Jerry Seinfeld yeah. did with a few years ago. It's yeah. a, but it's, a, like it's an actual comedy show. It, yeah. it's, it's really funny. It has a plot, but fair, yeah. barely. So it's kind of Louis C.K., but with yeah. more kind of straight-faced comedy things. It's on Sky Atlantic, so I'm never going to see it. Yeah. But, um, I recommend would it. I, would I? I don't know. Yeah. Next up, two shows are actually powerless. coming up to their end of the run on the UK TV, so worth watching again. This is Us and Inside Number 9. So Viv's been watching This Is Us quite a lot, and I think you're a big fan, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it started out in the UK on Channel 4, I yeah, think. Yeah, Channel 4, yeah. But, but going out at 9 o'clock, and then for some reason they bumped it to kind of after 11, sometimes after midnight. I mean, this is like a massive, massive show in the States, and it's full of kind of um, ex-genre show actors. So we've got the guy who was uh, Green Arrow in Smallville. We've got... Uh, the guy who was Peter Petrelli in oh, the Also known as Jess from Gilmore Girls. Yep. Yes, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's I a nice even... relationship drama. There's flashbacks. There's kind of, you know, it's playing with the form. It's not your traditional kind no. of um, drama show. And again, it's from the guys. I used to love a show called 30-something back in the kind of oh, early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ken o- Olin is kind of one of the producers yeah. and one of the directors. And it's a nicely Didn't even made Peter Petrelli when he was in it because he's got this big beard. Oh, he's, 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 looking, he's a good-looking man. Good. He's a I mean, good-looking this fella. is a, almost enough to get me watching because I'm I'm yeah. a fan of his. But I, my um, a few of my friends watch it and they've been raving about how um, sort of emotional it is, but like in a really genuine way. Like it's not sappy and tugging on your heartstrings. Like it's genuine, telling a genuinely yeah, there's interesting a, there's story. There's a slight kind of you know you can. They are they, they're they're an interesting bunch of characters, and there's lots of interesting yeah. stuff going on. And I, I'm really enjoying it as that a more traditional kind of drama thing. Yeah. And inside number nine, oh, you know, yes. coming from the guys who did League of Extra- League of Gentlemen, Psycho Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. would be a different but, um, segue. Yeah. It's, it's a half hour of beautifully written. It's horror you know, comedy. Or yeah, it's, it's like. that beautiful well, well, kind of it set isn't, in it isn't. one place. It's, it's horror. It's comedy, but they, they, you know, they've had some beautiful um, drama in there as well. Really, yeah. really moving stuff, and it's great that they get to change, uh, switch up the genre every single week, I, and write essentially what is a stage play. It's you know, one location, limited I, number of characters. The one that always sticks with me I think it's either from the first or the second series was the one where he had the lodger moving oh Tom and Jerry yes yes that and, is, and that it is was so insidious and, yeah. And, and, and yeah they uh, what the, the great thing is like when they do um, even when they do horror it's usually psychological horror and it's, yeah. it's all about um, what's in your mind and, and just you know yeah. playing up the dread rather than you know blood and guts and, and, and jump yeah. scares um, the, the, so this series so far has been brilliant there was an, the first episode um, the bill just about four guys arguing over who gets to show off and, and you know play uh, pay the bill at the end of a meal but it yeah. sort of escalates amazingly and then the, the, my, the highlight for me so far has been um the riddle of the sphinx. Yeah, uh, it's never, it's story. never made like cross crypto crosswords have never been so exciting. The and the, again, the acting from um, Alexandra Roach in that yes. episode was brilliant. The yeah. way I describe it nowadays, it's pretty much Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected oh, it's rebooted. But the twists yeah. are actually genuinely yeah. Yeah. unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, beautifully, it's beautifully written, subtly played. And, and it's it fun. A it's so show. much fun. The episode that was set in a karaoke booth, was, so it was basically a musical episode. Yeah. With, oh, just, yeah, loved it, loved it. Can't say anything bad yeah. about go, it. Go yeah. back and rewatch the previous two seasons as well. You'll be in for a treat. Yep, last two shows we're going to mention. Uh, it's on Netflix now. Series of Unfortunate Events, the reboot with Neil Patrick Harris. Mm. See, I'm not into like Neil Patrick Harris the way that so many other people seem to love him. I mean, it's been renewed for another series. I, I'll get around to it maybe eventually on a Sunday afternoon, but like, it's just it's not for me really. I, I like the books. 
Yeah. They, they were beautifully made, really nicely constructed, lots of nice illustrations. I did like the uh, Jim Carrey film the adaptation, movie. which yeah. was fantastic, and they've cast people who really riff the look yeah. of the cast from, the, from there. And that film had one of the greatest end sequence, end title animations yeah. of all time. And I'm loving this, this slightly, you know, Would more... Would you prefer the film or the series? Would you there's elements of both that I, yeah. I, I enjoyed. There's more breathing room in the series to kind yeah. of really get into it. Uh, and Neil Patrick Harris is doing a really good job of playing Count Olaf. The actors are doing a really good job. Um, you know, and um, having uh, The Tick. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the guy oh, that, who's playing Patrick Warburton. Warburton. Patrick Warburton. I love Patrick Warburton's guy. Awesome Deepest voice. voice yeah, in Hollywood, he's, yeah. he's a great man, and I remember him from Emperor's New Groove and everything. But... Um, I like it. It's nice. It's a fa- it's a it's a family show that we can I can watch with the kids and we all get something out of it. And it looks beautiful. It's played nicely. The music's really good. Yeah. So I yeah I'd say give it a go. Last one to mention Doctor Who. The what? Doctor Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor what? Uh, I I'm sort of just over him. No, yeah. No, I, I've not really cared about Doctor Who for a couple of years. It's we're waiting for the next actor, aren't we? Do you that, know what? That's what this series feels like. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm so so next... glad that we're getting a new yeah. showrunner as well because I feel like Stephen Moffat had some really high points, but he can't run a show. Do you know what? I'm more, I'm not. I disagree with that. Coupling was amazing. I'm not keen. <laughs> Short-lived, and maybe that was no. That's the key. He can do short arcs, but when want you know, ask him to drag something out, just it becomes painful. I'm not keen on the idea of the new companion. I like Peter Capaldi, and I actually like Matt Lucas with him, and I'd rather see those two as the companion. That's the companion. The whole, like, girl just seems annoying. And then, like, you know, a sort of a, a young woman in the sort of, like, you know, companionist role. It's sort of, like, really cliched by now. Yeah, so I think, like, I, I would quite like them to have, like, a couple of companions where it's almost like a bit of a, a team on the TARDIS. Well, that would be more interesting. They are, there is a team because Matt Lucas is a permanent companion this season as well, but I, think, okay. I, I don't know why. I just really want to see the Doctor and a male companion. For a while, that's n- that hasn't been done since it's, it came back, and I think it needs to. There was times when Peter Davidson had a, a male companion and uh, P- Patrick Trounce Doctor. Why can't they do it now? Bring back K nine. You know, I'd quite happily see Matt Lucas and Peter Capaldi alone having adventures each week. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm feeling this new companion. She seems like she's going to be very irritating, very quick, like Martha Jones. Ooh. I liked Martha Jones. Nah, it's, it's not very good. Yeah, I just, I, oh, my only hope for this final season for Peter Capaldi is they write good stories. Please tell me they do a one-off X-rated special with him as Malcolm Tucker playing Doctor Who. That needs to be made before he hands up the radio. I, That'll I, be like I, a BBC Three online only sketch or but something. But I, I like think for comic it, relief, sorry, maybe. Isn't, isn't that the show class? Him, him coming oh, to the God, show oh. with that baggage was yeah. detrimental to the whole show. Yeah, everybody who watched it it's just wanted to see that. It's called acting. He's playing a different character. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's the whole thing when. Everybody was going about how Benedict Cumberbatch needs to play Doctor Who. It's like Why? he's got enough on his plate. He's basically I think. playing Doctor Who in Sherlock. Yeah, Sherlock. Just Sherlock. I, want, I, want a, I want a season of good episodes, well written. Do something interesting with the character. You can. It's been done in the past. Just get off this yeah. high horse of like trying to trip us up with randomly, badly constructed stories that Stephen Moffat has to write himself into a corner with. Keith, you have a statement which you have to uh, want to announce here. It, well, it's been a secret uh, passion of mine for many, many years. Yes. Uh, the fact that lots of people, you'll, you'll all know somebody who will say, oh, it's just a cartoon. It's for kids. Um, but I hold vehemently to the belief that there are many, many cartoons out there that are actually better than Quite much, a lot much of, of the rest TV. of the TV yeah. that you've got on there. Now, m- most people's first reactions or first kind of, um, introductions to cartoons will be, when they're little children. So they're watching kind of like, watch with mother. 
and they're seeing things through that. You know, your kind of mysterious cities of gold and other poorly made stuff from all across the world. But for me, the first kind of things that I remember when I was a kid was watching stuff like Ivor the Engine, the Clangers, Bagfuss, all of those kind of stuff. But beautifully made, really well told stories. And yeah. that that's kind of, you know, it's hooked me into the, the uh, art form that is cartoons. And, you know, there, there's tons and tons of stuff out there and it, it shouldn't be kind of written off as, well, it's only for kids. Um, yeah. Because it annoys me that people go on about things like Family Guy and South Park and um, American Dad, which are quite clearly cartoons that are made in that's, a way... That's just for... It's it's adult jokes. Well, it's the same kind of like R-rated form. movie. It's like, we can only make an R-rated movie if we talk about sex and uh, swear it's, a it's lot. It's what I call college-age TV. It is. I mean, everyone, when I was 18 and a fresher at uni, everyone had like the Stewie poster in their, you know, yeah. in their room. It was, it's, that's exactly the demographic. And it's really actually quite worrying that you've got like, you know, people in their 30s and 40s who still think that Family Guy is genuinely funny. But yeah. it's also the way cartoons are treated badly by TV networks. Because it seems to be, if you're a kid... And a lot of these TV shows are serials. They have a long-term running story. So, you, you know, if you were watching Game of Thrones on Sky Atlantic and they just decided to go, we're just going to play the episodes in a random order and we might repeat the same one four or five times in a row, you'd go mental. Mm. But this is how um, TV channels are, are, are acting when it comes to kids' TV shows. And there's a lot of stuff out there now that is, you know, geared to be watched in a, in a sequence, telling you a story. And we're lucky that this week... Uh, Samurai Jack has returned <coughs> to... 15-year break, yeah. I mean, it was about 13 years, and it, that is one of the most beautifully made cartoon shows of, of all time that is accessible to everybody. There, There is a moments of slapstick in there. There yeah. are moments of comedy in there. But as an art form, it is beautiful. Um, the story that's been told in that is fantastic, and it's come back this, this week, Yeah, and it's retained all of that. It's beautiful. The first five minutes has no dialogue. Um, Yet it tells you yeah. everything you need to know. If you've come in from the cold, you know everything you yeah. need to about that character, and it's just a, a beautiful I'm so piece of television. I'm so glad Tartrowski's returned to it. I mean, I'm a massive fan of his Clone Wars shorts that he did. But the, the Star Wars Clone Wars yes. shorts that Gendry Tartrowski did is possibly the greatest Star Wars ever made. Yeah. You know, we had a lot of episodes there where there was no dialogue. Everything was told through the animation and the actions and the, and the motions of the characters. And for an animated show, you'd think, you know, how could you make the greatest lightsaber battles in an animated show? And yet they did. This was a, this was a series where they, they made the most spectacular lightsaber battles in 2D animation. And it was a wonderful piece of work. And it's still, you know, it, it led you up to episode three uh, and was far better than the actual t- movie they released. Um, but Gendy Tatovsky, you know, kind of off the ball a little bit with his Hotel Transylvania stuff. But Samurai mm. Jack has just, you know, it blew me away. First episode, and it's like, I'm on board to f- see where this story goes. Can I just jump in and champion a cartoon that I've got into a little bit recently? Um, and it absolutely backs up your point of um, it's absolutely designed for children, but it tells incredibly compelling stories and has incred- like really interesting themes and introduces really, really kind of quite grown-up ideas in a way that children can understand, and that's Steven Universe. Mm. Oh, that, by, yeah. uh, by Rebecca Sugar. Um, it, I mean, I, they've done it in such a great way because it's about this, I think, like an like eight-year-old boy. He's a little boy. Um, he's, he's, he's like this little brother character to these cosmic goddess superheroes. And so they're talking about things like war and death and, you know, honour 
and love, but because he's a child, they're talking about they're having to talk about these things in a way that you know this little brother character can understand, which means that they're you know doing it in a way that the audience can understand. And it's just really yeah, it's amazing. It's telling some beautiful stories, um, yeah. also incredibly um, diverse and positive when it comes to depictions of LGBTQ characters. Um, so I think there's uh, well well no spoilers, but there's there's some sort of same sex um, like partnerships in there yeah. but and it's done in a very kind of respectful and, and natural way uh, yeah it's done it's done in a way that's accessible to all ages it's just audiences. talking about love yeah it's not about you know sex especially it's just oh these these two characters care deeply about each other and i think um yeah. legend of Korra did something very very similar yes recently. towards the well, end of the last series you yeah. know it's because steven universe is part of that uh group of cartoons because you've got adventure time in there as well mm-hmm. uh so adventure time is another one that's telling very complex stories under the guise I'm, of a I'm quite sure rebels into that as well actually rebels well, has rebels, got some rebels again is another one for star wars that started off kind of being yeah. slapsticky and not very good and has gone to be one of the darkest tv i think dave filoni's an amazing job i mean yeah, the actual clone wars tv series apart from the Gennady tartarovsky version yeah. the later seasons got really really Heavy. Well, one of my um, all-time favourites is the Batman animated TV series, yes. which is the but still, to my mind, the greatest adaptation of Batman ever committed to the screen. You know, it introduced us to the character of, of Harley Quinn. She went from that show to being on the comic books, and again, that's just it's beautifully made. Yeah. It references all you all you need. The voices are fantastic. Um, but even even stuff that is slightly more geared towards adults is still great. We've got things like Archer. We've got things like Rick and Morty. Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. But Bob's Burgers stuff, is so good. Yeah, I love every character in that. But you know, it's I think it's animation isn't just for kids. There are no. there is you you need to embrace it. And even if there's you know stuff in there, stuff that you can watch with your your children that you can get lots of things out of. I think we should embrace animation yeah. more and not just be you know the occasional Pixar movie or a Studio Ghibli. There's plenty out there, and you're better off watching that than you are EastEnders. And go and explore. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Ellis, you've come up with a feature for us. Yes, so I, uh, as as you you may know, or have inferred from context, I'm a big fan of uh, the good old drinking game. (laughs) You wouldn't Uh, have known that. (laughs) Love Actually, was it? (laughs) Oh, the Love Actually drinking game is is quite dangerous uh, to your health, actually. So one of my favourites from my uni days, I haven't played it in a long time, but I thought I'd just introduce it to you guys. I'm sure, you know, a couple of you may have played it. It's called I Have Never. With a geeky twist. Well, of course. Uh, So it's called I Have Never. In the States, they say, never have I ever. Um... And so, basically, uh, we, you know, we're not drinking in the studio. We're being responsible uh, radio Only uh, a cup of tea. Um, and I so think I saw Keith's at both vodka in it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it was uh, St. Patrick's Day yesterday, so some of us are just <laughs> topping up. Um, Jameson's. <laughs> Other brands of alcohol are available. So, basically, um, we're just going to go around. We're going to say something uh, geeky or sort of pop culture that we've never done that, you know, most people probably normally have. And then what I'd like to do is, uh, if you've not done something, let's go around, see who has done it, and then make a case for whether you should do it or not. Right. You can start then, as it's your feature. Okay. I have never seen Firefly. Out. <laughs> Out <laughs> now. <laughs> I- I've watched one episode and didn't like it. Okay. Oh, oh, which, okay. Episode, which episode? The pilot, Ryan. The pilot. But that's out of sequence because you should really watch the rail, the <laughs> train heist episode, which is the best one. 
Out of gas is by far Ooh. the best episode. Oh, I was going to say, Train Heist is the one that makes me most happy when I watch it, but Out of Gas is the best one for the characters. So we can assume by this you two have watched well, it. Yeah, I've, I've watched it. It was uh, one of those shows. Christina Henriksen was yes. in a couple of the episodes, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, well. Have it, you watched Serenity? I think is I have seen Serenity, so ah, I kind of feel like so I... here's the I, problem, yeah. You can't watch Serenity without watching Firefly. I, 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 so I, I watched it, and they do a good job of introducing the characters for you all who haven't seen it. Uh, but I also feel like, well, it had the movie budget, and they had a lot more action. And I kind of feel like, having watched Serenity, I'd probably feel a bit let down by Firefly. I don't think so. I think they kept up the production values mostly. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a certain extra layer of niceness yeah. to the I think film, Serenity was done on the cheap anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, in terms of Hollywood movies to kind of go. But yeah, Firefly's got a lot. There's interesting characters. There's a whole kind of like um, Civil War kind of vibe going on and the fact that these characters were on the side that lost. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, that sense of um, lots of interesting stuff going on. Guy, you can pick the next one. I have never bought a comic book and what I mean by comic book like just a single issue you know one you can go pick up that comes out weekly I bought like an Archie collection but that's more like a book but I've never bought a comic book it's because you're spending all your money on records <laughs> I mean I, I've never bought a comic book of any description in my life whether that's you know a never an anthology novel, issue no anthologies no single issues nothing so you're massively missing out because even in the top 100 times novels you must read there is I, Watchmen. The yeah, Watchmen. Yeah, I know, I know. And the film did it a disservice. Even though it was a great film, it was still a disservice. I must say I've bought several thousand. So <laughs> I kind of think that puts me in the kind of like, I have done it category. Yeah. Is it not six tons worth though? <laughs> no, I've not been crushed by that. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback to one of our previous shows. Find yes. it on Mixcloud. And iTunes. Keith, your turn. So this this should be something I haven't done, but you yes. might have. Okay. Uh, I have never played a, a tabletop gaming game. Yep. So like no, Warhammer or Space Hulk or something does, like that. Does Monopoly count? That's board games. That's that's like the most emotionally harrowing experience of my life. Things like these X X-wing stuff and kind of stuff. The um, the bits where you have to spend a load of money to buy all the pieces. I've just never been a. a a board game person I've never been much of a game person I get, I get bored very easily and when I'm not bored I am aggressively competitive I I did have a little bit of a phase where I was playing uh, Warhammer 40k the Gothica one which is was basically where you had spaceships is that when you were wearing your Matrix jacket and had blonde hair maybe <laughs> was gonna, Viral was going to bring that up yeah I bet you guy no yeah, I think. Nah, not me. I think nah. anything where the, where the rule set goes into several volumes is kind yeah. of like, yeah. Mm. Mm. I, uh. I bought I bought Dungeons and Dragons to, with the, every intention of having a Dungeons and Dragons night community, <laughs> and uh, then I realised they were going on eBay for like hundred quid, so I sold and bought some records. Right, I have never participate in a LARP session. In a See, what? Neither have I. Okay, oh, live LARP. action role play. I genuinely would love to. I, I just think it would be such a laugh. Have you seen the film Role Models? Yeah. At the end, when they have the big battle, okay. and you've got Ken Jeong dressed as the king. Right. That's laughing. That's laughing. So basically, you go into a field with a lot of your mates and pretend to have a war. I, seriously, I, would be so, I, think, I think we should do that for one of our like episodes, maybe in the summer when it's a bit warmer. 
I, I can imagine it's something that people would look at as odd if you're watching it as an observer, but I can imagine it being amazing fun if you're involved in it. So would this count that like in the 1970s when I was a wee lad and we were in the park all pretending to be players in our favourite football teams, uh, that, would football that count laughing. as LARPing? Would, would football LARPing be a thing? I uh, think we should throw that out to Twitter. Is mm. it a thing when you pretend to be? You, you're it's a role-playing game. Like Pele? I mean, I don't know. Who, what, were, you, what, who were you, Gary Lineker? Gary Lineker hadn't even been born by the time I was playing. Glenn Waddle, is it? No, it, would, it, would, it would have been basically everybody on each side Stuart of the... Stuart Pierce. Every, the, half of the people would have been Bobby Moore and half of them would have been Pele. So yeah. it was kind of like 11 Pe- Pele's against a Bobby Moore. <laughs> Just one Bobby Moore on his own trying to go. <laughs> Who was George I, Best? I don't think that counts. Phil, Phil would be George Best, right? Come on. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a bonus one. Uh, I'm going to twist it here. I have watched Twin Peaks... Hmm. I have not. <laughs> Several times. I have. Shocking. I've, I've Shocking tried, revelation this week. I've tried so many times to sit down and watch it, and other stuff gets in the way. I will be watching it the, before it I mean, it's, it's a real up-and-down experience. I think the first two or three episodes are so, so strong. Then it kind of meanders forever. And then the, the season two finale, which obviously is the yeah. series finale because then it was cancelled... And then they have still to this day one of the most harrowing and, and sort of sc- literally it just becomes a horror film. And Firewalk with Me is one of the right. scariest Do films I've ever watch seen. Firewalk with Me before watching this. Oh no 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 because no, 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 no. it, it's it's it is technically a prequel, but it spoils so much if you haven't seen the series because it assumes a certain level of yeah, knowledge. A lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of forward knowledge. I will get around to watching and, it but, before yeah, it I, I, Firework with me did get awful, awful reviews at the time. It got panned, but I would say that actually it's a better season for the that. Twin Peaks box set is on sale now in a local oh, shop. Go and, so get, go and it. get it today. Especially since we're it's doing coing back twi- next especially year. since we're doing a Twin Peaks special. Can we coming back in like three or four weeks' time? Just not on Sky Atlantic, please. I'll get around to it. Keith, this project's a little close to your heart, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, going back a few years. You, I was probably my first steps into social media and whatever, and I stumbled across a project uh, for a uh, self-funded film called Invasion of the Not Quite Dead, which kind of tickled my fancy a little bit um, because it was kind of a, a horror film inspired by kind of 70s and 80s horror kind of stuff that I liked, so Evil Dead, yeah. uh, Return of the Living Dead stuff. But I also it meant the queue at the bus stop for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but kind of like also... B-movie, 50s kind yeah. of thing, but done uh, without CGI, so yeah, using practical lots of effects. practical effects. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the guy that um, that's making this film is a, guy, is a filmmaker by the name of, of Anthony Lane. You can find him online as A.D. Lane or Crazy D. Lane. And um, his passion for this whole project just kind of like... Um, got me quite excited so uh, you know he ran a few campaigns he did mm-hmm. a couple of kind of like 24 hour uh, online kind of no sleep campaigns and stuff so I, yeah. I pumped a bit of money into this project um, and you know time has got in the way he's had a couple of children and stuff in in, in sense but he's now into mm-hmm. the the final push to try and get this this film finally made so they've done filming in Bulgaria they've done some stuff in Kent yeah um, so he's currently at the moment into the last few weeks of his uh, latest Indiegogo campaign to just get the finishing funds, to just do the last uh, few 95% scenes. 95% done, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much pretty much there. I mean, he's got contributions. The people doing the music are uh, some of the guys who were in Wheatus, who people might remember from a few years ago with teenage their kind of teenage dirtbag dirt stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's looking great. There's a few trailers out there online. He's recently recut one to the Easy Street music that people might remember from uh, recent episodes of Walking Dead. Um, so 
you know, you can have a look at what he's been doing so far. So the trailer at the moment features a lot of the kind of uh, practical effects stuff that's been going on. Mm. Um, but it looks, looks, you know, it looks really good to have a British-made film that is kind of, you know, channeling those kind of early brain deads, that kind of, you know, reanimator-style kind of stuff where you got something that was actually quite interesting. I think it's in vogue. We've got films like The Void coming up mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, stuff like that, which is right. looking really good. Kickstarter on that thing didn't really exist 10 years ago when he first started on these this film yeah well it's difficult to finance a movie of any description these days and the yeah. fact that, that, that there's a, a very committed and passionate audience that want to see kind of practical effects films uh, us being able to put our money into investing in this I mean we, you know you get in the perks so you get you get DVDs you get Blu-rays yeah. you get t-shirts you get digital editions, digital editions yeah. you get signed bits and pieces and AD's ran some competitions over the time so I've, I've been lucky enough to win one of those so mm-hmm. I've actually had my um my Packet credit lifted. bumped up a little bit, which is quite nice. But again, even without that, I'd still kind of be promoting this and saying, you know, for the price of a uh, a cake and a cup of coffee, you could, you know, help make something happen. Yeah, um, I mean, and we're so close to it now that it's it's amazing. We've mentioned this before. Horror is not my genre at all. I don't really do scary movies, but I can imagine there's oh a dear. lot of geeks out. I just don't see the point. It's well, really that, odd. That is yeah. a whole other conversation. Yes, that's a whole other conversation. We know what genre he likes the best. <laughs> Sci-fi. <laughs> Carry <yes>. on. <laughs> but I appreciate there's a lot of people out there who do like horror movies, and it is a very geeky thing that you can go in. I mean, go into all the different versions. You go into fortune movies, stuff like that, and it is a big thing at the moment. And I really do feel for this uh, for Ad Lane. I mean, ten years trying to get your project off the ground is quite a uh, is quite a long time. Yeah, it's 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 a you know the fact that he's still doing it, and it's still going, and he's you know wanting to do this, and he's you know he hasn't given up, and and that kind of passion for a project is amazing. So yeah. it's like you know I'm I'm full on to support somebody who's who's doggedly taken you know yeah. setbacks on the chin and kind of tried to make this work as a film. Yeah, I mean it has taken a huge personal toll on him. Oh yeah. Yeah, you've kind of seen it happen to him over the years. Yeah. Um, but it's, again, straight away that, um, you know, I'd like to see this film get, get made, you know. So yeah. it's, uh, like I said, for, for the price of a coffee and a donut, you yeah. can invest in something that, that will be, uh, you know, based, just have a look at the trailer. You know, if it, yeah. if it tickles your fancy, then I think, um, you know, plop, plop a few quid down in the old donation box. So what was the name of the film and the what film, is the link? The film itself is Invasion of the Not Quite Dead. Yeah. So you can find um, that just by Googling it. And the campaign's actually being run on the Indiegogo platform. So yeah. the beauty of things like Indiegogo over Kickstarter is that even if they don't get to their goal, they still get the they funding, still get the funding that's, that's there. So you know the idea that that AD's got is even if he doesn't get to the, the limit that he's got, he'll get something and he'll make the best of it. Yeah. So if you go to Indiegogo, which is I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com, uh, and then you go forward slash projects, and then it's forward slash invasion dash of dash the dash not dash, dash quite dash, dash dead. But you can search how it many, so How you, many dashes There's that? a lot of dashes there. But if you search for invasion of the not quite dead or you have a look at the invasion of the not quite dead Twitter feed or uh, yeah. crazy AD lanes uh, Twitter feeds, you'll find all the links there. And we're kind of, we're about 10 days away from the um, end of, the, end of that, yeah. that campaign. So have a look. There's plenty of material online. And, and it's really you know, worth 
just drop in a couple of spare pounds if you have some. Yeah, just you know whatever you can contribute. I think you know I, I'd love to see this this film get its release. It ran the, the trailer ran before some movies uh, quite recently in Kent, and the audience <laughs> reaction was was great. So you know British homegrown horror movie. Yeah. You know I think it, it'd be good to you know see this thing on the big screen finally. Two thousand AD. We haven't spoken about it for a couple of weeks as you decide to run off somewhere. Malvern, was it? Bromsgrove. 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 Close enough. Similar. Sound a bit bitter about that, Ryan. Yeah, he left me alone with you. What more can I want? Oh, sorry. Do you want me to walk out right now and leave you alone with Phil Ellis? <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's all fine. Has its highs and lows. Yes. 2008, programme 2023. You're saying this is a brilliant time to jump on. Oh, sniff. Um, yeah. Well... <laughs> A few weeks ago, we had the kind of 40th anniversary uh, prog, which um, there was a special edition, but the, the regular weekly issue of the 2000 AD uh, was in the middle of kind of like a lot of its epi um, episodic tales. So the latest prog, 2023, which comes out this, the 22nd of March? 22nd, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, 20th of March. 20th of March. Is that Mondays? Yeah. Every Wednesday. No, it's the 20, 20, 22nd. 22nd. But you can find it in your local news agents or, or, or uh, qu um, quality comic shop. Yeah. Next to the Assassin's um, Creed's modern collection. Yeah, ne yeah ne oh, or next to the build your own uh, miniature toilet set. Um, <laughs> Just don't get stuck. So we've got um, what they, they basically call one of their um, kind of jumping on issues, which is now where um, a whole bunch of new thrills uh, start. So it's all packaged behind a beautiful... Uh, Cliff Robinson Judge Dread cover, which is really, really nice, very gripping. I do want a pair of those knuckle dusters. Yeah, it's a beautiful cover. Um, and what we've got this episode, or this prog, is a um, standalone Judge Dread uh, episode. So it's a story that's pretty much self-contained. But yeah. uh, again, it's, it's brought to you by the classic um, writer-creator team of John Wagner and Carlos Esquera. People um, who created Dread in the first yeah. place. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a nice, you know, standalone episode, just gets you introduced to kind of Dread's world. Um, We've got a few returning series. So we've got uh, Brink, which is being written by one of um, the UK's best comic writers who just seems to get ignored, which is Dan Abnett. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, that's following on from a previous series. Yeah. And, and uh, it's kind of, it's, it's late 21st century, our environmental catastrophes, industrial overload. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting series, so it's, yeah. it's a good starting on point to get rid of that. You've also got a Future Shock which is uh, 2080 every so every year run a kind of talent hunt. So this particular one is the previous winners of the talent hunt. Um, so we've got writer Andrew Williamson and artist Tillan Javnovic, I hope I've pronounced that right, Yeah. Uh, doing a, an episode called The Best Brain in the Galaxy, which is a pretty interesting kind of future shock thing. They're self-contained really one-off stories, which is really good. We've also got... Um, our interview guests from a couple of weeks ago, Ian Edgington and Disraeli, returning with their latest uh, episode of Scarlet Traces, which is their kind of riff on the uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah. Um, so their previous episodes have just been recently collected into a trade, Scarlet um, Traces trade. And this one, we're picking it up now kind of in the late 50s. Uh, so we've moved on from the kind of original setting for this. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's beautifully drawn, Disraeli's artwork. He's a master draftsman. It's coloured beautifully. looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, first episode already, and I'm intrigued to see where this story's going to go. Mm -hmm. And our final story that's in the 2000 AD is Cursed, uh, which is looking at the world of Judge Death. 
Yes. Who uh, everybody knows is one of Dread's greatest ever it, villains. Yeah, so this tacks onto the back of another storyline, isn't it? Yeah, it's a kind of ongoing story for for, for what's been happening there. But again, yeah. it's, a, it's a look at how the dead world came to be and the motivations yeah. and what happened to all, all, the, all that world before yeah. before Beef. Judge Death and his cohorts came over to uh, Mega City One. Yes. So it's a pretty good jumping on episode. Plenty there for all kind of different um, stories, different readers. Um, again, Jed, Dread will be picking up a new um, story the following week. But um, mm-hmm. jump in now. You're not going to get lost. You're going to uh, get a whole bunch of new new stories. Yeah. Uh, and, it is, you know, 2000 AD, there's the same thing. There's, gonna, there's something for everyone in each prog. So yeah. if, if one story isn't quite on your uh, taste, the, the next story will probably be. But they're all pretty good, pretty solid um, episodes in this yeah. week's 2000 AD. So I'd uh, recommend you get down to your local news agents or speciality comic shop now. Yeah, I mean, there's a few trade paperbacks coming out as well, which are worth mentioning, which is the Cape and Crow, Cow Crimes. Yeah, it's a brilliant collection of superhero-inspired Judge Dredd stories. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of Dredd meets superhero type stuff, which is quite that's cool. released on eighth, eleventh of April. So it's not that far away at all. It looks yeah, really good. it's a good, it's a good little set of stories. Yeah. Um, many of them I read in the original progs, but yeah, definitely go out and collect that. Yeah, and last one I want to mention: uh, The Last American. So yeah. this is John Wagner, Alan Grant, Mick Mahon, and Phil Felix. Yeah. So stellar, stellar cast of people who put this one together. Yeah, it's it's Mick McMahon at his, at yeah. his all, all best. Uh, it's a great, great series. I remember reading it in the individual issues, so I'm looking forward to picking this up as a collected mm-hmm. uh, trade. So, yeah, it's it's a That's, fantastic story. Yeah, at 11th of April as well. Really worth picking up. Yeah, definitely. I'm Philip Ellis, and this is why you're wrong. So, Phil, two things been upsetting you this week. Digital spy spoilers. This is something that you personally has upset you, Phil. So it's not Digital Spy specifically, it's just spoilers on the internet in general. I feel like there needs to be some sort of moratorium where we all know what the etiquette is and what the time, the acceptable time frame is for posting spoilers on social media or on a website, on a blog. Because, you know what, live TV is dead. We're not all sitting down with our fish and chips watching telly at the same time anymore. So you can't guarantee that when you're writing your spoiler-filled thoughts on Facebook that everyone else has watched it. We've got lives. We've got catch-up. We've got Netflix. We can watch this stuff on our phones. We're not all watching it at the same time. And when you are on Facebook just saying, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that character died, lol. It's like, there's no insight here. Like, why are you saying that? All you're doing is saying, oh, yeah, I watched this and you didn't. And they're getting, trying to get some kind of joy out of ruining it for you. And I just feel, no, it's not acceptable. There needs to be a statute of limitations on spoilers. What would your statute be? Um, I, I would say, you know what, it, make it indefinite. Because culture is forever now. You know, there's going to be stuff on the internet that from 50 years ago, you know, I, I'm like, actually, I might go and watch this old show. I've never heard anything about it. I love Lucy. Exactly. Well, you know, yeah. It's, it's, and it's just like, can you imagine something? Like, oh, yeah. And by the way, Lucy dies at the end. You know, <laughs> it would like it would take all joy out of it for me. I once actually ended a relationship with somebody. I mean, it was only a budding relationship and it wasn't going anywhere anyway. But he let slip who won season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race and I was like I cannot forgive this <laughs> I have got we, I've got a private DM group chat on my Twitter to discuss uh, the latest episodes of shows that I love with my friends so that it's not on the main timeline so it's not ruining it for everyone else because when a sh- especially when a show airs in the States and we haven't got it in the UK yet you've got everyone on your timeline flooding you with spoilers and it's like it's almost like competitive watching like who can watch it first who can tweet a spoiler first and it just takes all the pleasure out of it would you like a spoiler free internet 
like I, a second I think internet, maybe, like, which is you know, all you know, spoilers. You know, on, on, on like, um, if you're Facebook and you, thought, you, you know, you can sort of moderate your feed. You can say, right, I only want to, sp- I only want to see content from people like from this list of people, or I, oh, I, I want to see only uh, tweets from you know this, these people. You should say, I actually, I want to, you know, only see tweets from people who aren't watching this TV show. <laughs> Like I, and I mean, luckily, if you watch any of Game of Thrones, get out. It's improving because you can you can mute hashtags and you can mute terms, so it's sort of you know it's getting easier. But it's just like almost it's just those people who they they actually enjoy like wrestling into your feed and ruining it for you. And it's like so you know for instance when Netflix drops a new show on Friday, you'd better have that weekend to sit and binge it because otherwise what you know someone's going to ruin it for you. People who talk about millennials and their social media issues, they're really winding you up this week. So I saw an article this week. I'm just going to read you the headline. Social media has created a generation of self-obsessed narcissists. I've got just one question for you. What is literally every other generation's excuse? Like, people used to commission portraits and statues of themselves. If that's not self-obsessed narcissism, what is? Well, sometimes that's the only way you could get a decent image to look at the mirror in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this whole... I mean, I mean, and this article isn't unique. It's not original. There have been a million sort of hand-wringing think pieces and op-eds about how social media, you know, the selfie generation, we're all becoming really vain and entitled and self-obsessed. When actually, when you look at the research, millennials, and I mean, ugh, it's such a broad term, but millennials largely care more about the world and more about social issues yeah. than the baby boomers who kind of, you know, came before and screwed things up a little bit. Um, it's How about just, the poor it's Gen so, Xers in the middle of these? Exactly, sandwich? exactly. It's just we like, just you know, don't care. You know what? Like, it's 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 basically just sort of uh, a load of weird, pointless panic over young people yes. and their smartphones these days. And it's really there's no depth to it. It's it's, it's annoying. It's the distraction generation. I think this is what really frustrates me nowadays about how everybody attacks millennials. Uh, studies come out where it's reported the first time that retired people have better income than people who are joining the workforce. Yeah, it's like how are we self? How how is like an eighteen or a twenty-one year old self-entitled, like you know, self-obsessed or entitled, yeah. just because they want to get paid for a job when actually they all they can get is an unpaid internship and they're still living at home because yeah. the economy is so messed up they can't afford to even rent a flat. On top of that, you've got the issues where it's people who are actually now taking their retirement but not leaving the workforce so they're taking their pension and staying put in their jobs yeah. which means like you're just no, clogging up the top nobody end. else can enter the workforce because yeah you're just like hogging everything for yourself yes it's definitely that it's definitely a case of like oh look at them they're doing terrible things ignore us with all the power and the privilege screwing it up every other day these kids have got nothing i i definitely agree that the millennials shouldn't be blamed for everything they're struggling <laughs> along they've got a lot of stuff to they're going to be the ones right. who've got. Yes. They're going to inherit, a, you know, a truly messed up economy and environment. And uh, you know what? They are actually. They want to fix it. They want to find solutions. Stop demonising them. That is. That is why we're wrong, according to you. So Dave has come in in a rage due to the comments made by Phil earlier. This is Bromour, not Whitney. Yes. So just to clarify, Bromour, David award-winning David Mass. Award see, I like when you say that bit. That's the bit yes. I like. Thank you for saying that bit, Phil. Recap why you upset Mr. Brumau. I mean, I don't think I upset him. I was just saying something that's true. I, I, you know, we were at an event. It was the uh, the launch night for One Love, the Bob Marley musical. I had better seats than him. I mean, it's just, it's factual. How did you feel, Dave, when you approached what you would consider to be a friend at oh, are an you event? Sa- I, I, is that what the comments were? And he, he, he shunned you. He, he was like, 
I'm better than you. You go sit there with the peasants, he effectively. He had to cross over like 12 people because he was later than everybody else. Oh, <laughs> typical. And he had an extra seat Andy just was, for his bag. I yeah. Oh, I did, say to, I did say to my friend that I was with, because I asked a plus one to come to my event, uh, that uh, he'd just got a seat for his bag. Did did you did you say to Phil, can I have this seat? And Phil's like, no, sorry, this is reserved. No, I was already sat in my seat already, quite enjoying my view. Enjoying your wine gums. I didn't eat anything during the in the um, in the showing. No. Although, hang you on. You can't go to the theatre and not have snacks. That's no. Funny. I was a bit worried they were going to bring you out onto the stage, and they really <laughs> did do that at the end. I'm intrigued here, actually, looking back at it, because. Phil presented this story to us initially as that Massey came running up to him like, oh my God, you feel like I really here. think we need to listen back to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I did not frame it in that way. I was, uh, I think Phil was late, I, saw Massey, I was, begging no, no, I, I was early, which is unusual in itself. So I was, I was at the event early. Um, I was sat in my seat with my cinema, uh, I keep calling it cinema, with my theatre-going companion and, and Phil arrived in to the theatre. Did, he, was did already, he proclaim himself? Yeah, when I, when I got there, there was only was two... Was spotlight focus on When, when, I, when I got there, there was only two people sat on my row and I had to like move past. When Phil got there, there was like 12 people and, and, and then there was a man that decided that he was going to just shout out during next to Phil during the whole thing. And at that point... I he didn't was have quite, to rest, did he? At that point, I was quite... No, I did think he had to rest. Uh, <laughs> but I was quite worried that this guy was going to just shout out through the entire um, production. And I think he did. I know exactly it, which one you mean. Was yeah. he just like, Phil just shouting his own name? Philip Ellis, verified. <laughs> every every film just like unfold a verified balloon. Everything, like, every, <laughs> every, time, uh, every time one of the characters said something he uh, wholeheartedly agreed with, he shouted out. What did he shout? Yeah. I have no idea because I'm, I'm slightly deaf. I am going slightly deaf <laughs> in my old age. So, yeah, uh, but no, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't notice that my seats were not uh, as a. Uh, as, as nice as Philip's I mean, they weren't, that's what I'm saying. I just have this vision of, of, of Phil entering that theatre like he was Ruby Rod from The Fifth <laughs> Element. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, in my I, head, that is who Phil is to me. That in, is. That's, I mean, in my head, that's who I am too. <laughs> Sat mate Dave Corbin Dallas. <laughs> David Massey! <laughs> and, and, and the other thing is, and, and this isn't a Hello. challenge, it takes a lot to offend me, to be fair, so... Yes. I, I can just imagine like the war of award-winning versus verified coming up at any social media event. I'm going to get that verification, <laughs> and I nearly swore then saying. <laughs> did you did you socialise between half time or did Phil just sit there? With well, there was, do, you mean, do you mean the interval? Yeah, yeah. Did, half time. Did Phil sit there on another chair with his backpack next to him? <laughs> no, no, because um, engaged it was, in his uh, phone, which he seems to can't be able to use somehow. Because it was because it was press night. Uh, we both went and had a little bit of free wine in the interval. But did you socialise? Yeah, yeah, we we. We, we knew other people that were there as well. Now, recalling the story that Phil had said earlier, I'm wondering whether anybody in this room was responsible for taking a coat with somebody's keys in <laughs> home with them <laughs> as, as a slight revenge tactic. <laughs> well, if he's not going to let me sit next to him, he can't get home. <laughs> oh, home. yeah, so, so uh, Massey doesn't know this bit. No, because, I don't. Uh, because you, you, you left immediately after the show. Yes, I was. I was. I was. I was. offended and couldn't bear to Like the Scarlet Pimpernel just. I was at the door and Queen's Heath was calling me, so I was on my way home. So I, um, I was socialising with the cast after the show yes. and I put my coat down oh, and, I, and somebody took it. Oh, I was long gone. And by so I, I ended, yeah, long gone with the coat. I ended up. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I saw him before this happened, so, yeah. and he'd still got his coat at that point. No, so I, I, yeah, I ended so up you have sleep, no sleeping, on, I ended up sleeping on the actor's couch. Oh, what a terrible thing to happen. I know. <laughs>
Did you get your keys? I the theatre called me the next morning and it was handed in and it was uh, yeah it was brought back. Some just so what, the keys. What no happened? Coat. No, what happened was <laughs> so, some, some <laughs> drunk person had said to their friend, um, "Oh, grab my coat for me, will, will you?" And we'll, and we'll go. And this person just grabbed a random coat theater. which happened to be mine, which had my keys in it. And so I was like, technically homeless for the evening. Well, do you know what, Phil? I'm glad the story had a happy ending for you. I don't think it had a happy ending for Massey because he got shunned by you. That's the way I see it. Thank you for listening to the Geeky Vrimmy podcast this week. Guy, where I can find you online? You haven't got George and Dave to tell you the name of your own blog. Uh, GuyDiscoversMusic.wordpress.com Thank you. Going, uh, going, Phil. Vinyl Guy H on Instagram. You can see all the things I spend my money on. And um, Instagram at Guy and Score Halford. Keith, where can we find you? <laughs> at the bus stop <laughs> at the bus stop and online it's ads the deer in the headlights, it's though. like the whole thing of like where can we find you on the internet and I'm just like what is this Tron am I in the computer now some bizarre way of doing it um, yeah if you google hard luck hotel and Not the Count ignore the Count Duckula episodes but I think in some instances I do come above in the search engine now for, for hard luck hotel so it's, it's good yeah you can find you me you started at- film blogging again yet no, I need to write. I need to write, but I, I need some kind of um, constructive criticism to see whether actually I've retained my ability to p- con- put words together. Not, I can't do it. I can't do it when I speak. Well, so God knows. You have the wonderful Miso, Miso, like, Yeah, I sound like Jar Jar Binks <laughs> when I talk. <laughs> well, you have the wonderful. If you want some writing criticism, freelance Philip. That's yeah. me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so hardluck underscore hotel on Twitter. Hard Look Hotel without the underscore on Instagram. So go and look at my wonderful uh, cityscapes that I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing a series where I'm trying to capture streets with no cars in. Nice. So have a look. Mr. Ellis. You can literally just Google me and it gives you my Twitter and my Huffington Post page. <laughs> with a special noise it goes. It's like finding treasure in Zelda. <laughs> when you get Phil. So that's Philip with one L and Ellis with two. But yes. put two f- L's in the Philip. No, fine. don't. The internet will correct it. It'll auto-correct for you. Special guest, Bramara, where can we find you? You can running fi- off with Phil Ellis' jacket. <laughs> you can, uh, Wrapped in an award. <laughs> you can find me on the UK's Top 5 Trends on a Sunday night. Dave. Hashtag, hashtag Bramara. Dave, did you use Phil's jacket to polish your award? <laughs> I don't actually remember what Phil's jacket looked like. <laughs> I didn't make an impression there, mate. <laughs> I think your Instagram needs some work. <laughs> You're all haters. I didn't, I didn't see a selfie posted before the theatre began. There's always a selfie posted with Phil. Phil wakes up in the morning and posts a selfie. That is just his life. You don't know me. (laughs) It's like Wallace and Gromit in Phil's bedroom. The alarm clock goes off and there's like this Rube Goldberg machine to his camera. Well, that's when the best... shoots about a bed. That's when my flat gets the best light. (laughs) (laughs) The bed pops up and it's... (laughs) Ching! It's selfie. But the thing is, he'll look beautiful regardless. Yes. Well, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) You'll find me, guys. Browsing Braybart News. Yes. You'll find me. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing that? What's that about? It's what? Guy's Why cheeky little ridiculousness of each week where you can find me online. Right, okay. I'm surprised you didn't go trapped in the toilet for four hours, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I nearly swore then. <laughs> you can find me online on Twitter at Ryan Parrish, at Bromigarman for the food blog, which Guy think is weird because he likes looking at pictures of food. And <laughs> you can find us all at Geeky Rummy. And not forgetting, of course, George and Dave, who are out geeking out at MCM Birmingham this week. I didn't spot them. They are at Caramel Latte Kiss with one L on Twitter. Caramel Latte Kiss with two on Facebook and Keith Twitter. just nearly fell off the table. And you can find Dave at DWIT3187 on Twitter as well. Oh, remembered. 
Did that look like it hurt? Yes. It was, it was fine. It was all right. It was okay. It's, it's your bottom, okay? <laughs> it may be splinters. <laughs> Can we please end the show? Because I need yes. to get out of this room now. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for downloading us. Please like, subscribe, share, comment. Write us a review. It makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. Yes. You know, I've just thought, because you were talking about like, your where you might find people. No, no. <laughs> but I was just looking around this room, and I was thinking, actually, we'd all make very good um, photographs for barbershop, you know, for deciding what kind of hairstyle you want. <laughs> I think we'd be quite good in a 1970s style <laughs> hairdresser. Uh, like, this is what you don't want, and then this is what you do want. Well, we're like, sat in the corner right now, sitting very quietly, Sean Miner, who is who from is the bold. A-list. So that's, that, what, but that, that's a legitimate style. They, you might, what they might go that, in. Sean? What number is that? That's the This Is England. <laughs> just a zero, all I've got. Just, just keep it straight to the point, mate. I don't know what is a that all is. over like a dolphin? Don't know what a barber is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Just ask Coombs, go to the hairdressers. <laughs>